0: Hey guys, it's Teresa, the host of You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where I get comedians to confess something they've never told me before. So excited for this week. Um, I have two guests on. We've never done this before. We've done like uh, uh, rapid fire confessions at, and we've done an improv group, but never had just actual two people who know each other well confessing things to each other. We had so much fun in this episode. I think if you guys like it, let me know because I, I might try to do it again um, if there's another partnership that would fit. So definitely. Let me know what you guys think uh, I think it's a lot of fun I think you'll really enjoy this And before we get into the episode I just wanted to make a quick announcement We are nearing our one year anniversary mark Thanks Confidants for being with us this whole year Or if you're new, we appreciate you joining uh, Because it's going to be one year anniversary I wanted to do something special So we will be doing a live show in Los Angeles uh, That's a live show on a real stage With microphones, guests, all of that It's going to happen on April 16th at 8 p.m. at the Comedy Central stage. It's in Hollywood. Um, I will be posting more info on my social media. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram at Tell Pod. I'll definitely be posting more info there. But mark the date in your calendar. If you live in Los Angeles, I would love to see you there. Or if you live near los angeles and i want to drive and put some miles on your car or whatever um i'd also love to see you it's going to be a free show so that's fun you can come and not spend any money and no drink minimums none of that um and i'd love to meet you so that's all um yeah and now uh, here is the show enjoy Hey guys, I'm Teresa. I'm the host of You Can Tell Me Anything. This is the podcast where comedians confess something they've never told anyone before. Uh, it's really fun. It's confession, secrets, rants, raves. You guys know what it is. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Hey, how's it going? You can confess at 323-388-3521. Um, I never really get any listener confessions, but maybe you will be the
1: do we have any there, for this yeah, week? Yeah, there's
0: like... No, we don't have any this week. It, it happens very sporadically. Uh, I think I've maybe gotten like four actual confessions. And then I get um, random voicemails here and there. That like what? Are, <laughs> like I got one that was just sounding like someone was playing a, uh, like a Japanese TV show. And then... I heard some Korean speaking and that was it. So it wasn't.
2: A, <laughs> I got that call last night too. Yeah, I just right, calling everybody.
0: Right. So it's like, yeah. What was the
1: best listener Maybe confession Maybe it's a you real had? confession.
0: Um, I've had uh, people call in about addictions a lot um, or talk about uh, mental health stuff because it's sort mm. of like therapy based. Um, and I talk about that on the show too. So so it's, it's very, very genuine, which I like because I think it's it's nice to have a contrast because I think comedians... We'll talk about real stuff, but it's already in a Mm -hmm. way where it's like we've already dealt with it. So it's nice to be like, oh, yeah, a lot of people who don't get the um, platform to talk on stage haven't been able to process the stuff in their life in a funny way. So I Mm -hmm. think it's nice to be able to like laugh about it you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's good to laugh about stuff, especially traumatic things, because you're going to, it's not to say you're not going to take it seriously. I mean, that's just a given, you know, when yeah. you go through trauma, you're going to have to process and heal. But then I think the step beyond that is to just feel normal and move on. So it's good to take a beat and be like, I'm laughing. You guys can laugh.
1: I <laughs> actually, when we were prepping for this show, that's one of the things that I found kind of challenging is that by nature as a comedian, yeah, Everything in my life is mined in some way. Like, we think about everything. We talk sure. about everything. Like, my biggest confessions are, are kind of new bits that I'm working on. There was one that I was really, I was like, I really want to confess <laughs> that, but I've already started the process of putting the bit together. Right. It's because there is. There's like, there's very little in my life that's un- We talk about everything on stage. We'll find...
0: There's always stuff. We'll find it. Um, But anyways, I'll introduce you guys. Um, Those voices you're hearing are my my two guests. Wow, this is a surprise. Uh, There's two guests today. Actually, three because my dog's in the studio (laughs) as well. But um, these guests uh, are here promoting their show, which is... Coming to the comedy store on March twenty seventh, ten thirty PM called The Historical Roast. They're gonna be roasting Ted Bundy and they also have a show, T V show on Netflix coming very soon. It's Eddie Frith and Ryan Pig. What's up? How are you? Pretty good. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Thanks for being here. I've never had two guests. I'm really excited. I don't know how this is. going to I was gonna go. say.
2: I'm glad to break break it a little bit. I was listening to. Uh, I, I love the podcast. I was listening to Evers and. Oh yeah. There's I'm like yeah. How is it gonna work with two people? So I'm very what interested. It, what did Ever confess? She. Uh, well, you can go ahead. She.
0: Um, oh, she t- took an or oh, she took an idea from someone in her like uh, elementary school, and then she won like an award for it, like a writing. Really? Thing. Yeah. Oh wow! It's
1: That's crazy because
2: awesome. she was t- also talking about like her life as like in the Christian world. And I was yeah. like, that, she she was so devoted to it I was like and then she like went a full yeah. like 180 I was like yeah it sounds like something similar to what I did so well that's very the thing. uh
0: it's a lot of times I find the confessions from childhood um come from people who've like l- learned values as they gotten older like most like mm. people who will talk about having done something like stolen or blah blah, blah like cheated on something like very early in their life tend to be the people who are the most self-aware now of like not doing that. Mm. I don't know because, (laughs) you know, obviously I don't know what people aren't telling me, but from what I've seen, it's if you've gone through that process early on in your life where you've just learned this feels bad for the sake of it, not because I'm going to get caught. Because as a kid, you're you're, um, kind of let off the hook more easily. So I think you learn that doing bad things is bad because it feels bad, not because you're going to go to jail because you won't go to jail as a kid for stealing Um, I've found that people who have those stories tend to grow up and be like more, I don't want to say moral, because it's all subjective, but tend to be more well adjusted in terms Mm -hmm. of knowing like, what's right and what's wrong in a society standpoint. So it's just an interesting thing. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think, uh, obviously, bad people will sometimes continue to do bad things and have done bad things. But... Mm -hmm. I try not to have those people on the pod, so maybe I'm biased.
2: (laughs) No, that's a good point. All the little things I've done, all the little things I've done, I like, stay with me. Like, I don't remember any compliments or awards (laughs) I got as a kid. Like, what? What's the thing that sticks with you where you're... Like, it's both things that I've done bad and things people have said to me that are bad. Sure. Like, when I was a kid, I had, like, terrible, messed up teeth. (laughs) And the teacher, yeah, and so the thing te- that you did. So the te- and I don't remember why. This is like, it was probably like fourth grade. This teacher was like talking about this guy she was seeing, and all the students want to talk about it with her. Uh-huh. And this one girl goes, "Does she have? Does he have nice teeth?" And I go, "Hey!" Like comedically <laughs> and she goes, "Well, why don't you fix your teeth?"
0: <laughs> Whoa, that's rude.
2: <laughs> and I just hear it
1: at night sometimes. I hear you that <laughs> that little voice. <laughs> all right, fourth grade stupid confession, like not a real thing. When we were in the fourth grade, we had the boys club and the girls club. And these were not mm. officially sanctioned clubs. Like just the kids in class <laughs> decided. It and what we did is we had like a president and a vice president and we all got. Which cl- club were you in? I was in the boys club. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. But wait for it. Clock <laughs> oh, twist no. coming up. I was the president of the boys club. And what we did is we had, we all got like diaries from Walmart or something with locks on them. And we would- What? (laughs) Because we would want to write in them, they would write who the president was. We had a treasurer, even though there was no money. We just knew what clubs would have. Clubs were
0: big, like when we were kids. I don't know if they still are a thing, but I remember Babysitter's Club was a huge um, book series. So I think we all were like trying to make little
1: clubs. So we would have the boys club and the girls club, and we were on the opposite side. And the basis of the clubs was essentially to steal the diary to see who the president and the vice president were. (laughs) For the other other group's club. You played Capture the Diary? Essentially. But here's what I did. This isn't going to shock anyone in this room who knows me. Sammy and Ryan are going to be like, of course you fucking did this. (laughs) Can we curse? I apologize. That's fine. Okay. I knew who the president of the girls club was. It was Krista Valentine. Uh And she knew I was the president of the boys club. So we would meet secretly and give each other. Like we were in on it together. (laughs) Basically like planning everything for everybody. Like we were running the entire thing and let each other know the secrets mm. while the rest of the boys club was fighting the girls club and vice state, versa. Man. Oh my God. You would Ab- thrive <laughs> in politics. Oh, you <laughs> missed out. Immediately, I turned immediately. I was just like, oh, I should definitely go talk to her and like, Give her our secrets and I'll get hers. And then we would create, the two of us would create fake diaries that we would then plant to let the other side get it to think they got it, but we knew what we were doing the whole time.
0: Did it ever backfire? Never. So it was just, was it <laughs> just once. for the sake of fun for everyone? <laughs>
1: Essentially. I mean, we were, it was a great quote, right? All of human endeavors just killing time.
0: Just, As oh, kids, yeah. we were just
1: like, Mrs. Mrs. Dorian is boring. What are we going to do during <laughs> recess today?
0: That is so funny to have, have that sort of, um, Strategy as a child, and that's child, Eddie.
2: Imagine what he does now. (laughs) I'm
0: terrified. (laughs) Well, um, well, I do. Like before we get too far, I want to ask for a good confession because I like to start off um, by getting to know the guests that way. But also just to start on a positive note, Uh, I guess that could be your good confession. I don't know if that counts. No, that's terrible.
1: That's one of the worst things. That's not one of the worst.
0: That's kind of that could be a good regular confession. But do you guys have something like a humble brag or something good you want to confess? Go for it. Uh,
1: I love your beard. That's your humble brag. <laughs> about is it about myself? Is that kind of what? It's about
0: yourself? But oh, I guess oh. we could do each other if you want. Ryan, it, we
1: Let's... should. It should. This should be a joint humble brag. A this joint should, humble. This brag. should be the confession that after four years, after starting our show in this very space, mm-hmm. that we're coming to Netflix this year. To me, is it's also if anybody asks me what's going on in my life, I don't know how to have a conversation <laughs> that doesn't in some way involve that. Well, like that's, that's a awesome. That's cool. I, my
2: humble brag would be we're finally roasting Ted Bundy. But yeah, Netflix is cool too. That's good. That's, cool. that's good. <laughs> finally. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big murderino.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've been here. waiting. <laughs> my confession is I have no knowledge or interest in serial killer or true me too, crime high culture. Yeah, yeah. do Except like for it. one. It. I I was and am obsessed with the O.J. Simpson trial. Oh, okay. I know everything oh. about that trial. That's,
0: that's more like pop culture in a way because it was happening on the news, I feel mm-hmm. like, when we were children. But I didn't even – like, I didn't watch any of those um, Netflix uh, recreations. I never under, really understood uh, murder or crime, true crime. I mean, I, mm-hmm. like, I understand why mm-hmm. people like it, but when yeah. I watch it, it, I don't feel it. And I've tried. I tried to watch The Jinx, and I was just like – This makes Mm. me feel weird. Yeah, I want the...
2: the, No, I I understand because I want the protagonist to be like not a murderer or innocent. I want. I like making a murderer or that uh, Night Of show on HBO. Like those... I I, like Serial.
0: Serial is kind of in that vein, but it it has more of a mystery and also Mm -hmm. I feel because you're not... Well, I think he... From I didn't I didn't listen to the second season, but from the first season, I'm like I think he did it. But from the first <laughs> you think season, yeah, non did it. Well, I don't know. It seemed just seemed like he's probably a really good psychopath. But from the <laughs> first season, it, it also made me like him, so I could kind of believe that he was innocent, and that was a storyline that I had to believe to enjoy it. I think it's hard for me to follow a protagonist where I'm like, you're just a killer who right. is a psychopath <laughs> and like has have no redeeming qualities.
2: Well, good news—they're they're making a show about Adnan on HBO. Yeah, they're going to keep going, and but then it'll be a movie. About
1: how he's how he did it. That R- right? The HBO what? one is like he did it. He's a dick. Oh, I
2: well, I, I don't know. I watched the trailer. Didn't seem like is that. Is
0: more is it, what is the ethics behind making something about? Uh, a guy who's still alive, where the verdict is. Un- I mean, I guess he went to jail, so the verdict was clear. But like, we're as a public still not sure because that it's going to influence public opinion a hundred percent. And yeah. I don't know what is the ethics behind that.
2: It's probably the the idea that we think that the justice system's messed up and that there's a mistake, okay. and maybe we're the detectives. People mm. like there's that the, that game you can you can do that you can send to you, and you become the detective, and you try to oh, solve yes. a crime.
0: They're but they're real crimes.
2: They're real crimes that you solve, and you just send it. They send it to you like what a packet. What? Fuck. Yeah, this is a real yeah, thing. Yeah,
0: It's people. It's expensive, it's a white but you can do it. Thing. Yeah, that's it's true.
2: definitely
1: <laughs> a white people thing. That sounds inappropriate. I don't think we should be doing that.
2: Oh, well, no, it makes them feel better. Everyone's like, "I'm a detective, Pikachu, or whatever." It's.
0: I think, God, it's. Hmm, I don't know. I just think it's like uh, glamorizing murder. I know that's not the point. The point is like, if there is innocent people, it's good to look at it. But there's so many like. There's still serial killers who try to kill to get famous, mm-hmm. and uh, and then now with all of these podcasts about it, it's like they probably will get famous, and they'll yeah. probably get a book deal. Mm-hmm. I have
1: thought a lot about this since we started because we had a That's long scary. debate about Ted Bundy about uh-huh. whether to roast him or not, and, yeah. and what it would mean. And I started to really think about, and we discussed why is true crime and serial killer culture? Why are we? Why are people so fascinated by? Because yeah. I'm not. It kind of I'm. I, I keep a certain distance from it. Yeah. But I I understand that people get very into that. And I think that it has to do with we are all built from the same things. Like that's still mm. just a human being. And so what we're exploring is the darkest side of a human psyche, which is somebody who would kill for either the pleasure or just mm-hmm. just to kill. Like that as part of an activity. That is part of the human psyche. There's something. There's some... Yeah, events that lead up to a human being behaving that way and the fascination is oh that's within a human being Mm -hmm. like it's not external this we're not talking about watching a nature documentary about a cheetah eating an antelope we're watching another human being go through circumstances that would cause them to just kill to kill that is a dark part of our psyche
0: yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head it's not the the idea of put being pushed to your limits because most of the time we try to live in this like middle ground of like what we're physically and emotionally capable of while knowing like there's obviously you can think of like maybe your lowest moment and your highest moment in your brain, you know? Mm -hmm. So you know your range for now, but then you also know that that's probably not really like there could be something worse. Think about the worst thing that's ever happened to you and then think like probably there could be something even worse that you don't Mm want to think about. But if that happened, you'd be able to go on, you know? And so that's like, you know, that's like your emotional uh, limit. But I think seeing someone actually doing it makes you... I, okay, this is going to I don't don't take this the wrong way. It's not like uh I don't mean like I don't know how to say it. Okay. I feel like there's like a horniness to like murder stuff. Do you guys In feel what like sense? It? Like I feel like people get horny for murder stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. the murderers. Yes. yes okay, definitely. no, 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 not just the
0: murderers. <laughs> I feel like people watch true crime and this is why I don't like it. There's a reason why I like, think. Like I don't like that. Uh and I don't feel like like I personally don't feel that, but I feel like when people watch it there's a sense of like oh, it's Like, there's a sign of people, like, I feel like get turned on by, like, hearing about murders.
1: There's a theory behind why that is.
0: Yeah, well, I... The same
1: way as, like, murderers get married while they're in jail. Like, people are attracted to it. I
0: think it's this idea of seeing your limits and there's, like, um, the fear kind of turns people on because you see maybe your death or maybe you see, like... Just seeing where the edge of human ability is, mm-hmm. like I feel like makes that's the
2: 405. You just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone's trying to murder yeah, each other. Tra- that's all
0: right. Uh, I mean, I, love that I, that I talked in about in this an on LA the pod-
2: traffic joke. Well done, sir. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I try every conversation to fit it in.
0: <laughs> I have talked about this on the podcast with Sammy, but um, I, I did once masturbate on the 405 to completion, so I'm very proud of that. Wow, <laughs> congratulations! Because, that's because, that's what I do. Yes, uh, and because oh, actually, I do have an update about this, <laughs> Sammy. <you'll like> this. <laughs> well, I talked about this because I um, I was saying I was on my way to a call back and I was so mad because there was so much traffic. And I was late and I was falling asleep. So then I sometimes if I'm falling asleep, I'll masturbate in the car to stay awake. But then I've never like come from it. But then I did. And then I walked in and I got Unavail from that, (laughs) and so I was like, "Hell yeah!" But then
1: (laughs) the worst thing—I got the job. (laughs) No,
0: I ended up not booking it, but then I watched the Oscars, and so because they cut it, they cut the piece I was in. But I did so well in that audition where they the director called my agency, and that never happens. It was commercial, and they never do that. Yeah, Uh, I'm not just saying this to brag. I just think it's a funny (laughs) story because I was like, maybe I should always do this. But then I watched the Oscars, and it was like the. Marriott Bonvoy commercial that like was like the whole sponsor of it. And I was like, God damn, that was the commercial Mm. but they cut the piece, like they rewrote it so I wasn't in it anymore. It's like damn. But anyway, so it's that's the, that's the end of that for people who followed along to the masturbating in car story. Well,
2: you know, it's funny about you mentioned the Oscars. Everyone that won awards at the Oscars beforehand masturbated to completion. That's the reason right. they they became famous in the first place. I think <laughs> that, you found the secret to Hollywood. That is
0: a, a true thing. Like being I I don't get horny for murders, but I will admit that I get horny for like uh winning stuff for sure. Like if I'm if I find out I just want a bunch of money or if I just I don't know, I've never actually had that. Okay, like, walking into a hotel room that's all expenses paid for, that makes me horny. Or, like, if I win an award, I've never won an Oscar, but I could imagine if I won an Oscar, I would, like immediately go masturbate <laughs> is that weird would you choose no, masturbation
1: no. over being with another human because that's a real the, yes because the other thing is the achievement is all your own that had nothing to do with another human yeah You're i do like to that's yours sex. to own
0: I, sex is fine like I, I can have it if i want it with another person but like the masturbation is a totally different thing it's like yeah. oh, i'm so horny because i did a thing and they're like i gotta just like
1: let it out I don't that's know. exactly what uh, Ted Bundy would say after every kill so you guys oh are, no, <laughs> no. I mean when you
0: guys got the Netflix show <laughs> so this yeah. is did the... you guys go masturbate no I'm just you
2: together you that. <laughs> that's the reason we got it <laughs> into Ryan's hat and um. he wears it
1: around every day <laughs> and into Eddie's beard <laughs> that's why it's white <laughs> I, I, I didn't have to buy beard wax for that week it was a good week um. <laughs> I saved money
0: uh, I want to start with a quick game because um, uh, I feel like we're going to get into a bunch of stuff and mm. so we'll start the game and then we'll just go into your guys' uh, confessions, which I'm excited about. So, since you guys have a show about historical roasting, I have a couple questions about historical beef. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I tried to come up with something that would be tangential to your show. This is actually really quick. I didn't write a lot for it. So, there's just going to be two questions, but I'm just going to give you a beef, describe a beef between two historical people and then mm-hmm. try to guess who it is. Love beef. It's all simple. How much do you know about historical beef? I know you guys know about historical people.
1: Good amount. What? we're going to know the exact wrong amount of information whenever right. asked. Okay. Anytime somebody asks me about history, I know the exact wrong amount of whatever they're asking about.
0: Hmm. That's
1: uh, like, I, I know I, everything, but what they're saying. Exactly. The like is. I always have historical stuff that they don't want. And then when they, what they want, I don't have,
0: <laughs> you probably know like random fun facts. Cause you probably have to research stuff for like weird roast, you know, like yeah. that one time someone did this. I have two questions. I was going to do one for each, but do you guys want to work together on them? Or do you want to do
1: one each? You tell us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. which, which would be, let's. You're giving mm. me double homework now. I have to decide right. how we're doing. <laughs> All right. And let's then do, do this. It. We'll
0: start with Eddie. Okay. Okay. Which mid 20th century famous two authors notoriously hated each other's guts? One saying about the other, he has never been known to use a word that might send a reader to the dictionary. And then the other said, does he really think big words come from big emotions?
1: Charles Dickens and Mark
2: Twain?
0: No, but good guess.
2: Wait, did you say 21st century? No, mid-20th. 20th. Okay, that's a good guess. What's, your, what's your guess? I, I thought she said 21st at first, and I'm like, <laughs> nah, Eddie, you're off. Do you want no, st- to That's a good one, it. actually. That's it a would,
0: good one, because big words, I think, of Dickens.
2: Hmm. I would say authors. So it has to be, they're authors. They're both
0: authors. They're both very well known. They're not just pe- and they both people. They're both male. So it wouldn't yes. be the Bronte
1: sisters or Emily Dickens. Is it Dickinson?
0: No but didn't she die in obscurity and then they found all her work?
1: A lot of artists die in obscurity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if okay. Edgar Edgar Allan Poe and Shakespeare
0: <laughs> 20th yeah. century Shakespeare um,
1: yeah. Was it Jesus? When was Shakespeare around? <laughs> this is when our show gets canceled Because like Eddie doesn't even know when Shakespeare was, like 1600s. was around
0: um, I love Shakespeare so much So is
1: that the 15th century or is that the 17th century? Because I know it's always one off. 21st whatever. century yeah. I'll give you the
0: answer The answer was Faulkner and Hemingway They hated each other so much mm. So much, so much But then, I mean, which kind of makes sense Because Faulkner's and Hemingway's styles are like almost polar opposites Right but then Faulkner was asked to write a review of Hemingway's um The Old Man and the Sea. First he refused, but then he eventually relented. And it, this is the review, I'll read it to you, because it's actually kind of nice in a I hate this man kind of way. Mm-hmm. He wrote his best. Time may show it to be the best single piece of any of us. I mean his and my contemporaries. This time he discovered God, a creator. Until now his men and women had made themselves, shaped themselves out of their own clay, their victories and defeats were at the hands of each other, just to prove to themselves or one another how tough they could be. But this time he wrote about pity, about something somewhere that made them all, the old man who had to catch the fish and then lose it, the fish that had to be caught and then lost, the sharks which had to rob the old man of his fish, made them all and loved them all and pity them all it's all right praise god that whatever made and loves and pities hemingway and me kept him from touching it any further Damn. just really sweet for especially from your like worst enemy
2: yeah that's that's crazy
0: it just made me real. it just makes me realize like most of the time people who are like outwardly angry at someone is just they it's they generally are probably mad at themselves because it mm-hmm. seems like he's like this is good i can't touch it and i'm mad i didn't write it you know
1: Oh, yeah. Mo- most times when somebody's mad at somebody else, I've, I, it, it's always they're just seeing themselves in that person and they're upset that that they're doing the thing that it's yeah. just it it, too close to home. That's probably why siblings hate each other sometimes. They're like, yeah. ah,
2: they're basically the same you as me, like but me. they did something better. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have <laughs> a twin, so it's literally... No, I
2: love my brother. Eddie? <laughs>
0: older, older or younger?
2: <laughs> he's younger. But he basic he's basically older. He looks and sounds older than me. Do you guys look alike? Uh, in our faces a little bit. Okay. But that's pretty much, Eddie's shaking his head slightly. You don't think I look like my brother? Not really. I'm terrible at that kind of stuff though. Like I look at you two, I'm like, they don't look alike at all. I think, I think it's like slight things like the noses and the, the laughs and smiles and stuff like that. But that's pretty much it.
1: (laughs) How's he younger than you? And he has way less hair than you. He has way less hair on his his head. Yeah. Wow, I, don't, I
2: don't know, man. <laughs> he, I mean, he has a, coming for your brother. Yeah, he's got a, a he's got a beard. He's got a
1: deep voice. I guess more t- testosterone. What's well, funny is, for as unhealthy as you are, he somehow looks unhealthier than you.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, that's eating habits, I think. <laughs> mm. No, actually he does eat healthier than me too. So I don't know how, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I think he got cursed or something. I,
0: I have a twin. And so it's definitely like, I've gone through that where it's like when we were growing up, you know, in the teenage years when everything makes you cringe, if she would do something that was embarrassing, I would uh, get annoyed. But then I, now I'm like, if you're annoyed at someone doing something, it's usually cause you're mad at something about yourself.
1: Right. So oh, it's, yeah.
0: It's easier for me to let go of stuff like that now.
1: Yeah. Uh, my my uh, brother's, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, it must be even weirder if, if that's literally your identical yes, human being yeah. who's wow. doing it you're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's serious. This yeah. really does reflect on me. They don't know the difference. Come on.
0: Right. hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. I have one question for you, Ryan. All right. Okay. Which two painters famously hated each other? Fuck. Maybe because they're both, are you a painter guy?
1: I know, but I think I know the answer to this. Because you only know two painters. Well,
0: they were very similar, and they're both considered divine painters. Uh, One of them said of the other uh, about a very famous work he did, that it just needs to be covered up.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, I also only know two painters, so I'm going to say... the two
0: you know might be right. (laughs) Is it
2: Picasso and Da Da Vinci? No. Or not Da Vinci. uh, Picasso and... uh, (laughs) Is it Picasso?
0: It's not Picasso, but Da Vinci (laughs) is one of them.
1: Da Vinci is one of them?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) That's the one Eddie got more mad at. (laughs) Then it would be Michelangelo. Yes. I thought it was going to be Picasso and Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Right. That's oh. who I was thinking of. Uh,
0: Picasso and Matisse so hated each other.
1: It's two of the teenage mutant ninja turtles, Leonardo and Michelangelo. Oh, that's why those characters are based off them.
2: They're always getting into fights.
0: The, that's uh, not their
2: theme song at all. Speaking
0: Picasso, here's a random fact. This wasn't in the game, but about Picasso. Picasso hated Matisse. Um, I'm sure he also hated everyone I think else. I, knew I think that. he's he's one of those angry guys. Um, now, what do we call him now? Um, men's rights activist. Um, he, he
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can see from his art. Yeah. He's
0: an incel. Um, he <laughs> he, when he introduces, his, uh, says his new lover, but I guess he was dating this girl, Francois Gillot, to Matisse, um, Gilot, wait, what's that? The central artist of color charmed Gilot so much that Picasso became sexually jealous. He was threatened by Matisse as a man as well as an artist. So they hated each other, I guess. Wow. But, that's how um, Ryan
1: feels about me as a comedian.
2: <laughs> but that review, <laughs> that review that she was talking about from earlier, that's what I said about your last set. You know? That <laughs> know you covered it up? Oh, <laughs> no, oh, no, not the other thing. The, oh, the, old man the one that got, he's reached <laughs> God. And it's, oh, that's nice.
0: Reach pity. And yeah, all <laughs> all Michelangelo <laughs> said that, um, or yeah, no, Lillard- Lillard- cigarette
1: bit really uh, set you on fire. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you had, had to be there um, <laughs> do your set right now the whole set uh, <laughs> Leonardo basically said that David had to be covered up like the penis on David oh the penis yeah he was like it's, oh. it's offensive um, But I would never say anything. that
2: about Eddie's work I would just say that about Eddie
0: <laughs> that's kind of body shaming honestly not very woke of Leonardo <laughs> um well yeah let's talk about your guys's uh partnership because i mean i know you guys have been running this show mm-hmm. sounds like from here the ruby it started or the pa- uh nerdist sorry formerly
2: nerdist school now, nerdist. now the ruby mm-hmm. uh yeah
0: and and then it went to the comedy store that's where i did it mm-hmm. it was that's really right. fun
2: you were great thank you
0: i did mulan mm-hmm. um and i actually i had a lot of fun with that because i knew people were gonna the big thing people were gonna criticize mulan for was the i guess cross-dressing because sort of mm-hmm. a lot of the other oh, princesses right. came at her with like oh you don't need, you're like confused but then i ended up making all about like owning just being like i fuck both men and women and i love it yeah. and, cool, <laughs> and like sorry that i peg or whatever and so it was really fun <laughs> <laughs>
2: sorry, <laughs> sorry that i peg that was mulan's catchphrase oh i yeah. mean
0: mulan 100 like lee Li shang 100 percent is a bottom like i mean she.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no there's stuff on the but internet they, about this too yeah
0: but in a good way i think there's a lot of like punching down jokes about it but i'm like i don't know i feel like it's pretty cool of them if they're open about it and having fun and
1: i think in they're general both, they
0: both went to war and fucking crushed it so it's like yeah you is there just, a
1: more badass couple yeah, in disney you should just fuck
0: like yeah fuck however you want
1: <laughs> i think in general the roasts open up to the silliness yeah, it's no, one of no, the no, reasons i fun. feel like we it's can ta- <laughs> it's the only reason i thought we could tackle ted bundy because we put <laughs> we put two people on the panel that are specifically sort of what i call like gags like they're yeah. there to, to show like when we roasted god, santa claus was on the <laughs> panel cuz it was like look, this is not we're not really taking down god. Yeah. We're taking down ideas and thought we're making fun of this stuff. So for Ted Bundy we're having O.J. Simpson and <laughs> John Benet Ramsey on the panel. is like oh a, look, yeah. yes, it's serial killers, it's true crime, it's murder, it's terrible, but like we're going to inject some <laughs> silliness into the concept cuz John Benet Ramsey and Ted Bundy aren't related in any sense.
0: Who's um who's playing John Benet? Kate Quigley. Oh, Okay, nice. That's going to be <laughs> yeah. fun. Uh, my favorite um, thing was just... I. It, it made me realize... Because I tried to research to be like, what can I say about these princesses? And I didn't realize this until I was researching for you guys' show. But almost every single Disney princess is from a fictional... Um, land it's like mm-hmm. their yeah. kingdoms are all made up except for mulan just from china but then like <laughs> like aladdin's like agrabah you know like they're all yeah. these fake moana even it's not really hawaii it's a fake uh island of uh what is it tafiti Tef- yeah, yeah they're all just like completely made up
2: oh and frozen they really go into it because yes. a, d- a bunch of different characters Arindale. say where they're from yeah so now yeah. we have like this so we're just like this world. magical
0: world But then for some reason, they didn't... I mean, because Mulan is a very well-known legend, but but for some Mm. reason, they didn't even change it. They're just like, yeah, she's just from China. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, that's that's so interesting. I don't know why they did that.
1: Simba's just from Africa.
0: Yeah, I guess Simba's from Africa.
1: Just all of Africa. (laughs) The entire... I guess
0: Tarzan say...
1: Where is Tarzan? Is supposed to be the Amazon. I Uh, I don't know if they got specific. Yeah, I I think
2: that is like the missing link legend, though. So they probably did refer to something
1: about that. Confession: This conversation is full on making me miss fictional roast because we've been focusing so much on history in the past year that I miss fiction. So there's there's so much more silly, I think,
2: in fictional that's allowed because historically you got to be a little factual, but with fictional
1: you can just. When do when toys, when Toy Story Four comes out, we want to do a Disney Pixar Roast. Oh, that's a Dynasty. We were yeah. hoping to get in there and do a Disney Pixar oh, Roast and great. a Stranger Things. I think Stranger Things would be fun, <laughs> but I gotta watch so I gotta go back and rewatch all of them. Yeah. That's it's also fun. kinda like uh
2: there's some show on Disney a while back about all like the different characters being together. It was like the yeah. house of Mickey or something. Yeah. And that was just a cool Whoa. idea. And that's a lot what fictional roast is. It's these different characters from different
1: worlds. That was the p- last action hero of the Disney World. Yeah. Wow. That's a good (laughs) all movie. That's when I was a kid. I thought that movie would be magical because I think all movies should exist in the same universe like the Marvel movies all Mm -hmm. exist in the same world. Like what if Roger Rabbit Rabbit and Back to the Future (laughs) were actually in the same world somehow and Marty McFly and Roger Rabbit could talk. What would that sound like, Rye? <laughs> no, I'm not. Don't queue <laughs> me up for impressions. <laughs> no, I'm you know gonna, better. I'm just going to pitch pitch to a bit <laughs> you haven't written yet.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, so you guys started working together. How long has it been?
1: Four years. Four years. And you were friends more. before? <laughs> no. I-
0: how did you guys meet? Were you guys friends or did you meet through the show? We,
2: we met through interning at Nerd okay. Uh It was literally my fir- we were having like a kind of intern party okay. and I had just started and it, and Christian Spicer was there. He was uh-huh. uh, just, he was on his way out as uh-huh. an employee there uh-huh. and I met him. I was like, Hey, I'm the, I'm one of the new interns, Ryan. He's like, Oh, you're the new intern. I thought Eddie was the new intern. I'm well, I'm team Ryan. I like Ryan better. <laughs> what do you guys think?
1: And everyone's was like, yeah, we're all, they started picking teams and everything. More people, more people pick teams. Team Ryan, then Team Eddie. It
0: started as a roast of each other. Yeah.
1: I was like, I feel bad for this guy. He has leukemia. Those idiots, <laughs> they, they chose Team Ryan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> think about that. Everyone who chose Team Ryan, you think about your choice right now. Okay, keep
2: going. Everyone who chose uh, Team Ryan, congratulations. You picked right.
1: <laughs> no, it was it
2: was it was funny because we met and we were definitely different characters. Like mm-hmm. we were definitely characters. So we'd see each other in passing, and then uh, after one show, we just started riffing on what kind of shows you want to put up on Nerd Belt. Like what yeah. kind of shows? Because that's always like a little bit of an opportunity. Is like if you're an intern, you might be able to try something on the stage if you're lucky. Right. It's you know not. In, but some people that would work there when they were interns now are employees, and they have their own show at Nerdmelt. So we were just talking about stuff they already have. And I was like, they don't have a roast show, and then we started riffing more. Like, oh, we could roast historical people. Like, we could roast history. Yeah. And then it, we tried it out over here, and we got sold. We were sold out for five shows in a row. Pretty That's much.
0: Awesome.
2: It was great. It was a really cool experience that just kept growing, and now we're here. That's so amazing. <laughs> so I got to know him pretty well, and now we're in love. Yeah, mm-hmm. hold my hand.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the. My confession will touch on this in part, but our relationship we were not we were not best friends hanging out when we started. Uh-huh. We weren't in a group pitching ideas or workshopping stuff. The idea for historical roast was as accidental as the partnership was, and huh. that we were literally it was in between shows at Nerd Melt. We were both working, <laughs> and we looked at the schedule, and the conversation started. Because I was at a place where I knew enough comedians that I thought I could put a show on. Yeah. I was like, I know enough people. I could at least put it on. But like, what would I do? What would be different? You, What would we do? So I just looked at Ryan. I was like, what's missing from the schedule? Like, what isn't on the Nerd Melt schedule? that that could go up and he was, he was and like then gross. you had a secret
0: meeting with the director at UCB and the pack yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you exchanged diaries and yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I once did a historical roast without Ryan even as knowing a- <laughs> I just put it up he wasn't even there I forgot to tell you about that that's it was 2am no one showed up <laughs> <laughs> it's it, was a- in my, it was in my living room <laughs> I played all the characters
0: it's really nice that you guys also got along because that's a that's a you know you hear people trying to work together but and then as they get to know each other realize mm. their styles don't it's a tricky it's smart to work together especially at interns but it is tricky because if you have this great idea that you guys i mean obviously had and you get far with it and you clash that could be also really tricky so it's it's nice that you guys worked so well together and became good friends through that
2: yeah it's like making a a puzzle out of two different puzzles (laughs) like we made the pieces work we figured it out luckily
0: did you guys um well now you're obviously friends right yeah uh would you say you're best friends
2: I would say we're best friends. Uh, not the only best friends, but we're best. Uh-huh. We're up there. Do top, you guys text each other
0: when, like, if you get good news or something going on during your day that has nothing to do with the show? We're constantly, and this is the thing. <laughs> me, in my me,
2: life, yeah. me, Sammy, and Eddie are all on a, a group uh-huh. chat, and. Sometimes I'll like, you know, go to the bathroom for five minutes and I'll come back and it'll be like 27 text messages and I'll be like, oh my God, it must be important. It's like, ah oh, I saw a car that had a Benjamin Franklin on it. Like something crazy ridiculous. And I'm like, I have to read all this. Yeah. But it's, yeah, we definitely text each other as often as, as best friends do, I think.
1: I, I've said this to you before. I've said this in your presence before. I, 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 I have a bond with Ryan that mm-hmm. is unlike any connection with a human being that I'll ever have. The only – I was thinking about this coming into the show today. The the only other comparison I could make to the relationship we have is, is my brother. Mm. But only because we went through our parents' divorce together. Because nobody in the – there's no one else in this world I will go through as life-changing an event and an experience as I have with you. Mm-hmm. And we've oftentimes discussed how we are inexorably linked where there's, there's yeah. nothing, anything I ever do in this industry from here yeah. on out is built on something that we did together. And we watched each other, we stood, next to, to, stood next to each other, both on and off stage. Like we've been with each other through the process of going from interns at a theater in the back of a comic book shop. Yeah all the way to producing a Netflix show with people that we have both admired our entire lives and that that experience and that relationship makes you closer to me than so many other people in this world there's there's the only other comparison is because my parents got divorced life-changing my brother and I went through that together that's the only reason otherwise you'd trump you'd trump a sibling in that instance
0: what I like to think that that's the only thing that you connect with your brother.
1: Yeah. Um, we just, every time we get on the phone, huh? well, mom and dad are still divorced. It's been 25 years. That's right. Call you in, tw- call you in 10 more years. Is We're there all of a sudden Yosemite Sam. Anyway.
0: Was there something, because I mean, that, that's uh, a, a, sometimes when there's something that you have to go through that's sad, it does bring you together. So obviously this is an exciting thing that's happened, but was there In the last four years, like, uh, any kind of, like, hardships or obstacles you guys had to cross together where after that it made you feel like your relationship was stronger?
2: We have definitely changed a lot. When we first started the show, we had different girlfriends. (laughs) 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 uh, Definitely lived different places. But, like, with
0: each other? Or do you guys were always just kind of, like, a happy, peaceful relationship? uh, (laughs) Look,
1: this is not – every relationship – goes through challenges, goes uh, – you have to learn and grow mm-hmm. together. We have absolutely come in conflict. If we if we sat here today after four and a half years and mm-hmm. said there were no conflicts, that would be a red flag.
0: No, that's what I was going to say. I think it actually makes it strong you stronger because then being able to work through something and talk about like, oh, I need this and I feel like I'm not mm-hmm. getting this or th- when you did this, it made me feel this way. And then actually getting through that, I feel like brings – people closer together and makes for a better partnership.
1: Some of our most difficult moments have come from the show directly. One I've apologized for and I will do it right now because you were there was the show at the comedy store when we roasted the Disney princesses because we're growing as people and performers together and sometimes those things don't line up the Uh way you want them to. Right. Oh, wait, I, I'm a
0: lost. Wait, so, so what, what? What?
1: Somebody's emotionally in a, a different headspace. As a performer, we're progressing quicker or slower. We're not meshing at different times. This uh, is a real relationship, but we're adding the pressure of once a month, we have to get on stage and be good as performers together mm-hmm. as well. But imagine any other relationship you've had where sometimes you guys are kind of fighting with each other or you yeah. don't want to see that person or you really want to go see a movie and they really want to go get sushi. Right? Were you
0: guys fighting during that show? That slapped show, me I, on
1: stage. I <laughs> I was a jerk no, to him he... <laughs> afterwards. I thought things didn't go as we planned and I got frustrated and I took it out on him very unnecessarily and I came off and I was like what the fuck are you doing up there? And it was one of those moments of like what is going why are we not I'm like, meshing? I'm like trying
0: to remember if there I you were on, remember if I thought it was like.
1: No you were all it was uh, it wasn't after it was like during the uh-huh. show. it was during the show. like it was literally after our opening the first person went up and we went and we'll always catch up right after and i was just frustrated with how cuz it's we're people and uh-huh. we're performers and we're trying to mesh both of them blend both yeah. of those things in a moment which is very tough all it's easy for me to take for granted all of the outside factors that go into getting to a show because all I'm seeing is that hour that we're on stage. Yeah. So whether you're moving or whether you're going through a girlfriend thing or any of those ish- issues, mm-hmm. to me, sometimes I will gloss over them so fast, but those those come right. with the territory. Now, when we're just being stand-ups and we're just on stage on our own, you get to do and deal with it however you want. Yeah. But when you're with a partner- Just like any relationship, you're going to take things out on them or it's going to become that much harder or what you aren't meshing with then bleeds into the other section, so there
0: yeah hundred br-
1: there are very yeah. difficult times to this relationship. It's also a lot on
2: stage. Is like uh, like being friends wasn't as hard as just being on stage. Like yeah, oh like learning each stage. other's
1: rhythms. We're we're four years in. We're still learning each other's comedic rhythms. Yeah,
2: we're also from different backgrounds. Like I'm I come from like a lot of acting, sketch, improv stuff, and I uh-huh. just like stand up all the way. So we're like have a very different methods on stage. So as soon as we w- first went up, we're like. Oh, we caught kind of, we should have practiced a little <laughs> bit. And then like over the years we kind of figured out, you know, you do this, I do this, we bounce off this, you know, you you say something after I say this. And it, it, it took a lot of practice and we're still like, you know, It constantly evolves.
1: It. it constantly evolves. Yeah. You know, the changing of we're not Abbott and Costello where we found a rhythm and it worked and we just performed off of that because you're right. You're yeah. And it, we have to adjust
2: for every show too. like depending
1: on who we roast sometimes and if I we're doing that's fictional the thing, or historical. That's the thing I've learned the most about hosting the show with you. And especially after producing the television show and watching Jeff approach each episode, every roast has to be approached completely differently mm-hmm. based on the subject. Mm-hmm. It's not like we can go in with the same format and be the same host. If it's Ted Bundy and if it's Walt Disney, the right. subject matter is going to change how we host the show and the comedic bits that
2: and we the do. audience, the audience changes. I mean, the roast of God, the roast of Hitler, the roast of Helen Keller; uh-huh. those are all very different audiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all come for very different things. So we have to kind of prepare, you know, with ourselves and the audience. Yeah, for
1: ourselves and the audience. But 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 God, we have grown a friendship, a business relationship and a, a an on-air performance relationship that is still growing and has absolutely like unequivocally faced rough times. Yeah. Absolutely cuz you are talking about each of us have gone through personal growth and Sammy absolutely who's in the room with us is involved. This is a three-way conversation at, <laughs> in that same respect. We have all gone through personal issues that then bleed into it and And the other people may not be there, right? Ryan may be going through a breakup, and I'm like, I'm not in the headspace of a breakup. I want to focus on this, but he's bringing that to the table.
0: Well, that's true, because when you're you're mentioning, like, if it's just a standard stand-up show, you you have a sort of distance, like, you know, where you can just be like, oh, I'll just come do my set. But yeah. if you're also friends outside, it's you can't really be like, all right, for this show, I'm going to pretend I don't know that you're going through the worst breakup of your life or whatever. You know it, and and if they confide it to you as a friend, it, it is there is that sort of baggage where you're like, all right, I if I don't address it then it, I'll be looking like a bad friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I under, I I totally relate to that cuz I tend to be more um like work focused too. So when I I'm, I compartmentalize very easily. So if I'm working with a friend and we're both going through stuff, I can just be like, "All right, I'm just going to pretend that's not a thing while I'm in the show." But I think not talking about it can feel like, "Oh, whoa she was so cold or yeah. you know so it is interesting to be like if how, I, how do you turn off the front part or do you turn it off or do you just do you actually act differently you know if you know something's going on
1: I think I, I'm gonna go out on a limb here I, I feel like stand-up comedians may be able to compartmentalize mm-hmm. better than other people I like well, if I think about an improv versus because one of the things that we learned and grew together with uh-huh. is that your Your entire comedic approach is a basketball team. And, and my entire comedic approach is a golfer or a skier, somebody who is literally not – there's nobody else around when I'm doing it, so I can do it however I'd like in that moment. Yeah. I and heard so that. blending those approaches with <laughs> then, yeah, how am I – I compartmentalize all the time. There's time – We I went on stage the other night, didn't bring up the fact that one of our fr- – we just lost one of our friends, mm-hmm. but it, it affected me, but I get to choose how much I let in. Yeah. I can push the pedal any bit I want. I can – I can let it come out a little. I can let it come out a lot. I can ignore it entirely. But mm-hmm. then just blending the energies of two different people when one of us might be going through or even when they weren't, even when we weren't going through anything major on the outside. Blending two people's energies to know that you're in sync, the <laughs> the different processes that Ryan and I have gone through to what we just call get on the same page before a show, yeah, has also changed drastically everything from our our pre-show joint that we used to share to the show where we realized we can't smoke before this show anymore (laughs) (laughs) to okay should we have a clove cigarette All right, nope that's not gonna work Uh, some
2: cocaine we got this (laughs) and like we
1: found a general rhythm which is usually it takes about three meetings the night of a show so if we show up for Hmm. a 10 o'clock show at 8.30 we have to go over things once then we have to separate then we have to go over things a second time and then separate and then come back a third time and then separate because it just reminds both of us Of the major beats And then we can go out there And be loose for it Because you You know how
0: So you meet And then like go away And come back again Yeah So
1: like we would show up If it was a A a nine o'clock show here At Nerd Melt When we were here We would usually get to the venue About seven seven thirty Because we also have A lot of costumes A lot of other load in Yeah But it gave us plenty of time To Right? If it's 7.30, we sit down. We're like, what do you want to do for the opening? We go over it. And Mm -hmm. we're like, all right, cool. Some of our friends come by. We give out costumes. We see people. We get the list at the door. We come back again. All right, what are we doing again? We Uh go over it then we separate again and usually one more time before we go up we just what do you want to do because you know as a stand-up when we're on the stage alone yeah. we know what our major beats are we know where we want to improv improvise and bring up new stuff or we want to riff on that subject or we have a punchline we're trying to test out mm-hmm. but to make sure the two of us were on the same page because we came from different mind- mindsets it's
0: almost like stand-up because um, when you said that I was like three meetings sounds like a lot but then I was like how I do stand-up shows you know, you know Before I go To the venue Of my car You know I usually take A moment at home Then I go And you know So that's maybe The going away part mm-hmm. And then I get there And I you know See the lineup See how much time I have And then I go over my set and then I don't think about it or watch the show. And then right before, like maybe the person right before me, then yeah. I'll go back and look at my set again. So it's kind of the same. You look exactly. at three times. The number
2: three is sacred in yeah, the world there of comedy. You go. <laughs>
0: um, well, I, since we're t- talking at each other and airing stuff out, um, I feel like we should get into the confessions. Mm. Let's do it. Um, so why don't we start since, uh, let's start Let's start with Ryan. Ryan, oh, is there no. anything you would like to tell Eddie?
1: Oh, no. Ryan, is there anything you would like to tell me?
0: And oh, just for the listeners at home. So today we're doing, since it's two people, it's sort of confessions to each other and they don't know their confession. So no. this is going to be a surprise for all of us in the studio.
1: Well, I will preface this. One of the difficult things, because Ryan and I decided we, we didn't, like I have no idea what he's about to say, and he has no idea what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges was in in being so close in the way that I, I described, like you're, you and I are, have gone through something that no one else can understand but the two of us.
0: You've kind of had a baby together.
1: 100%. That's exactly. We've Even had two more, babies. Together. More of a baby, yeah.
0: Because <laughs> <had> <laughs> babies, you you have gestation of nine months, and then it's born. But and
1: eventually, you, that baby will take care of me when I'm older. So yeah. Well, maybe that's Who knows? You know,
0: maybe it's, Yeah. Maybe, to get, to Netflix. So maybe Netflix will take care <laughs> yeah. of you when you're older. There's but.
1: almost nothing that we haven't said to each other in general. Mostly because I talk a lot and I'm very expressive and emotional. So all of this stuff that I we, haven't noticed. <laughs> 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 so it became difficult to find a thing where it's like we haven't ta- we have talked about so many things. I think that is been paramount in our relationship. Is there's very little that we won't sit down and eventually get out. We have spent countless hours on my balcony smoking weed, mm-hmm. talking over what life has been like together and separately to get to where we are. And we covered and weed a will lot. make you say a lot of things.
0: <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Amour by Michael Haneke? No. It, it's it's a foreign uh, film. but it's really good. It a won. More,
1: it w- a more or less. Okay, so. Get out, get Sammy out laughed. right now. Also, Sammy laughed. I got Sammy film. to laugh. She's laughing at herself. Get for out is also a great film.
0: Uh, <laughs> mic <Mike> her up.
1: <laughs> get, out, get a mic a good... on her. Um, She's laughing. She can't even contain herself now. The sweater is jiggling.
0: Well, yes. What you just saying? <laughs> I brought Sammy. Have you seen it? It's really good. She just shakes her head. I only bring it up because in the very, it's about a very old couple, and it's about a bunch (laughs) of other stuff, and it actually gets really dark. But I hope
2: you don't have more of those jokes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I won't get into the plot, but the very beginning, it's this like couple that's been in love forever and been married, and they're old and they have grandkids, whatever, and it's just the end of their life. And one of them, they're just going through old photo albums, and one of them starts going in, the wife I think starts going into a story about a time that she, I think she almost drowned or something when she was a kid it wasn't like a humongous thing it may have been even more innocuous but I it was just like oh this one time blah 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 this photo reminds me of this and he had been like I you never told me that story and it was a very interesting moment and I really like that I think about it a lot actually on this pod when people are like there's stuff I'm, an open book I everything I you know about me, I've told on stage, and I'm like, that's probably not true, but y- all the things you think are interesting, mm. and then there's a ton of other stuff you think, I don't need to mention that, that's not interesting, but it is to other people, Cause, and that movie I always think of, because in that moment, like you can know each other for like 80 years, yeah. and there can still be a thing where it's like, oh, I never, you never mentioned that, oh, I never thought to. It was just a thing I just thought of just now that I haven't thought of for eighty years or whatever
2: that's literally yeah. how I thought of the thing i'm I'm gonna say yes. today because okay. I, I it's something that like I've never thought to tell anyone really because it just okay, so Eddie, I feel like there should be like so <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire music, music or something <laughs>
0: spotlight dun, dun, dun.
2: <laughs> uh so this has happened multiple times where I'll have a full like Two to five hour type dream. To me, it feels like a two to five hour dream where we do an entire, an entire, I remember every detail, an entire historical roast that we have never done before. Uh Some of them we still have never done. In my dreams, we've roasted the Wright brothers. We've roasted Napoleon (laughs) Bonaparte. We roasted people. We've we roasted Jesus, like his own roast. We roasted. Everyone, I've had multiple of these and it start, It was mostly around the time we started. It would happen right after a show usually, uh, sometimes before a show, the night before. And it was, I've never really, ha- I've had some dreams where like it feels like it's lasted a long time. These were the only dreams- <laughs> That like lasted, like I remember details of like, like also famous people were there. That's probably what should have tipped me off. We had like, we had like, uh, yeah, we had no, we had like, yeah, Bruce Willis playing like Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) We we had, you know, all these famous people, and it was just, but it was just. I know a guy now, but yeah, now we know, now we we know know a guy, (laughs) now we know some people who has his number and uh and that's just something that i never it's one of those things i never thought was interesting i never thought i needed to tell anyone cuz uh-huh. i have all sorts of stress dreams it was some of them were you count stressful? those as stress dreams some of them were stress dreams cuz and here's the why
0: okay because
2: working with me is no, stressful because it's a dream you don't think you're not you don't have information sure. about what's about to happen yes. so i go on stage and he goes tonight we're roasting napoleon bonaparte and <laughs> i've never researched napoleon bonaparte <laughs> for anything in my life and it's and i've had these dreams for um you know when i'm when i'm on a sketch team or yeah performing a show or a play where we have to memorize lines and i'll have like a stress dream that I don't know any of the lines. I don't know any of <laughs> the songs. Whatever, and this and it's so much scarier <laughs> when it's an entire roast that you're hosting and you're like, I don't, I don't know anything about this person. I don't remember the jokes we went over because we're very. He's right. We're very meticulous about what we're going to talk about on stage. Yeah, and that's the scariest feeling of like. I don't know what the fuck we're
1: talking
0: wow. about.
1: So you you said we've roasted the Wright brothers, Napoleon and Jesus in your dreams. Do you remember any of the others? Yeah.
0: Have you ever taken an idea from a dream and been like, I have an idea. Would no,
1: you? none of them were good jokes. I <laughs> <in a dream. laughs>
2: like I wake up and I'm like, the ones I remember, I'm like, that wasn't good.
0: Can you, do you remember any of the jokes from Napoleon?
2: Uh, Napoleon's, that was so long ago, but I do remember it was like not a lot of short jokes, surprisingly. <laughs> that's good. It was like, Napoleon, your mustache is stupid or something. <laughs> I'm like, he didn't have a mustache. Kind of I'm
1: over here analyzing how this show went. This f- show that <laughs> <laughs> happened in... I was like, no, that's notes. good. That's, that's like good that that didn't happen there? because it'd be better. <laughs> <laughs> who played Napoleon? I was going to ask next. Who played the Wright Brothers? How'd your imaginary audience like it? <laughs> was it the Sklar Brothers? Because God <laughs> knows that's been what we've been working on for
2: four years the now. The Wright Brothers? Well, here's the other thing, sometimes in my dreams, because it, it's dreams It's so ridiculous, they'll be the actual Wright brothers. Wow. Love
0: it. will be actual, it'll we be the actual, oh, you know, fun.
2: actual Jesus Christ is there. He's like, I love I love comedy. We have a
1: Netflix show what now. We can book Jesus the Wright know? brothers. We can, road, we, can, we can book Jesus. <laughs> we, can, uh, we, can, we can book Napoleon. Jeff has his number. <laughs> that,
0: that just tells me you have a really active and uh, creative imagination. Like, because if you're seeing, I mean, it makes sense that you do improv because if you're seeing a whole scene, like a lot of people dream in like, broken fragments. And if you're having this linear thorough dream where I don't I imagine it's all very like real, right? You see the stage, you see the it's all filled out. I had one
2: last night that lasted for a long time. It was started with like me parking a car in a <laughs> familiar parking lot and then I go in and then it, like all sorts of things happens. Like there were ghosts, there was like, you know, Survivor like the show Survivor was happening in the <laughs> building at some point. Like all these ridiculous things constantly happening. And this I was told by Eddie smoking weed would make it go away. Huh. It does not. It makes it worse. No, it does
0: make it worse. But because I, I if I smoke weed, I'll have vivid dreams. Yeah. I was gonna say your dreams sound grounded until you mention all the ghosts and stuff. But so I don't know about that now. That was
2: <laughs> and that was a very rare small part of the dream. That's the funny thing. Whenever the ghosts happened, it's like it's as much as you'd see in like a YouTube video. Where like oh, oh the ground started shaking. It's like that could have been explained by something else. So it's but, still
0: a grounded reality where something happens, but it could have happened in real life.
2: It's almost like my brain's like I can't give. I can't make. It seemed too ridiculous because then he'll wake up. Well,
0: what I'm the, the what I'm trying to hint at is that like because in improv it's all about having this grounded reality so that when something unusual happens it stands out but you have to maintain the reality. You're right, and it seems like you're doing that subconsciously. Like it sounds so ridiculous to be like survivors happening, but if it did happen in the real world. It would be like something weird's happening, but it's the real world. I'm like,
2: actually, I'm actually working on a bit where the brain, you're like, a dream is an improv scene where your brain's yeah. like, can I, where your fears and thoughts can you, we get a suggestion? It's,
0: oh, that's fun! And it's
2: always the worst suggestions. It's like you're in it. Like, can we get a location? <laughs> a jail? A school? We'll do both.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm your dad. I'm your mom. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, what do you think about this, Eddie? Uh, Have you ever had anything like this?
1: I've definitely dreamt the show. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's... What I, if you I don't guys are dreaming as, the
0: same show at the same time?
2: That's my worst fear. <laughs> is that he's actually disappointed and in my performance. Are... While we're in
1: <laughs>
2: How do you not know about Napoleon? I don't know, Eddie.
1: <laughs> this is a dream. I am
2: such an asshole, even in your dream. <laughs> Ryan right had the more... worst dream that you didn't know anything about Napoleon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have not had any major dreams about the show that leave long impacts that I can think of now. Obviously, of course, mm-hmm. I've dreamt of the show. Of course, we've performed shows there. It's same thing. We forget our lines. Um, how do you feel about me in those dreams or coming out <laughs> of them? Like, does it change? Has it changed that? How, how, how's our relationship been in the dream? Well, my, I mean, honestly, one of my biggest fears
2: with the show is disappointing you because I know there's like, it's our baby. It
1: I don't want to drop be. the baby. That should be your biggest fear. I don't want to drop the baby. <laughs> Thank God
2: it's only taken me four years to drill that one in. No. Four years? No. Uh, I had these dreams a long time ago. Uh, what, what was the question?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were dreaming about this before you met him, and now it's manifesting. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. How you feel about me or how that changed us or, or your approach to me. or uh, Clearly, I get that, and I don't look... Here, I'm admitting on air, like I've, I've apologized for how I react. That's my own bullshit insecurities and anger as a performer of trying to get shit right. And then when you talk about having an L, el- we're stand ups. As nah. stand ups, having an element that's outside of your control, because mm-hmm. there's insane control as a stand up. I'm in charge of everything. And now I have a human being where, it's a, it's a literal ping pong ball. I uh-huh. have no idea what direction it's about to go in, and when it's Ditto. good, he's fucking so spot on. I'm like, God, there, there are, there are some of those openings that we've done where I'm like, some of the best work I've ever done. The Disney uh, the Disney villains, the, there, I can't even remember. There's another one that we, oh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, there's these moments, the, the, the Harry Potter at dynasty. We're just like on fire, and then when it's not clicking. You feel like you're drowning, and it you're like can't get out. It feels like, it feels like you're
2: paying, playing ping pong
1: in the dark. You're like when? underwater, or in the underwater dark. in the dark. <laughs> and it's with just a beach ball. And so I get. I've not part of my growth as a performer has been to be better about working with you in that sense. But like, how does that then affect our relationship? Like coming out of that, you have these dreams of doing a show. Well, in the dreams, you contradict everything you've
2: taught me, <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> like about like what you're gonna say on stage. That like so is he better. It's like yeah, like
0: a. I'm curious how you feel about him in the dream, too, because it's sort of a manifestation of maybe your anxieties about like your relationship and is he a version where he's like chill on your dream or is he like hyper better or worse is he high not i don't want to say better or worse it seems like they're all
2: scarier i think not like not like like, not like like, (laughs) heightened not like anger scary though just like (laughs) just like silently waiting for me to say the next thing that we had rehearsed Uh, (laughs) sometimes we don't we don't really like rehearse like line by line but sometimes we'll like do like set up joke kind of things Uh and uh Uh it's happened on the actual stage a couple of times where Eddie will be like, here's the line. And then he like looks at me Then <laughs> no, he puts no. his microphone down by his waist and just uh-huh. kind of waits. <laughs> and, I, and then I'm like, alright. And then I say this and then they're like, okay. And then we move on. But uh-huh. in the dream, oh. in the dream he'll say it and I'm like, I don't know what, what we rehearsed. Uh-huh. This is oh, a dream. No. So I'm just like staring
1: and I look and the audience is all like demons. <laughs> oh
0: my god!
1: <laughs> As a true half Jewish stand-up comedian I can remember m- many of those instances where I set you up for something that we had just talked about and you didn't deliver Liver and I was like, "We just." In my head, I am screaming, "We just went over this." Because you're, you're like, "How do you?" I'm miss-? gonna say this, yada yada yada, and then you say that. I'm like, "What?" What's and then the I say the, <laughs> and I say the thing the way we just pra- <laughs> We just talked about it ten minutes ago in the back, and I just said it, and you're blanking. I want to give an example. This was the I want to give an example. Do the it, Civil
2: War rose. Yes, so. So say your line, and I'll say what um, you told me to say. <laughs> I queued you up for talking about. It's a fact. It wasn't even a joke. It was a fact. Oh, I queued you up to talk. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. It was I queued
1: you up to talk about the fact that the, the Civil War was the mm-hmm. deadliest war in the history of American wars. Uh-huh. More people. This is a, I'm trying to set. I gave you this this gem of a his, motherfucker. He puts his microphone down I, and like and, and I go if you think. Because I, I gave him his line and I can't That's just his job. But if if he's it, got one job, if Remember I go the wrong the shit way, you just talked about if I go the and wrong say way. The I'm
2: cutting, cutting him off, <laughs> so I don't want to cut him off or make it seem like I'm doing something stupid. So I have to transition a little bit. And so I go if you think about it, and he goes if you think about it, it's a fact.
0: <laughs> 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 you don't have to
2: think about the fact. I cued you up. So I go if you. You think about it combined all the wars together civil war has the most deaths that's basically what the fact was right but the way i was saying it i was like we didn't really rehearse line by line so i have to make a transition and immediately he's like if you think about it it's a just say it's a fact
1: <laughs> and the whole audience is like oh what's this was on? the moment i was talking this, <laughs> this is i literally this is wow. I, I literally come away i remember that one spot on because i was i was like how do you think look we just ta- just say the fucking thing
0: but it sounds like well, but sounds i do like you're not I will holding on to the all, first of all, no. <laughs> I will admit,
1: I have a cadence and a style which is not easily—it's <laughs> not easily dealt with if you're if you're in the moment. Because I will, yeah. I like pauses. I like drawing things out, and I do talk a bit so I can pull, 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 and and hold. And then I'm finished, and then I'll look at you, and you're like, "Wait, now is the moment." I get that. <laughs> I understand how it's difficult, but I gave you the fucking line. The whole audience is like, "Why is he facing that the other one guy?" Thing, <laughs> it, 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 I put the mic down and I look at you. That's yes, huh. go with the.
0: You know what? This is interesting to hear because I, I'm also working um, on a project with someone, and I'm I'm maybe like more the Eddie in that I'm like a control freak, and I'm very much like. I will like stay up till four doing stuff, and I don't expect anyone else to do that. And so I'll be like, "We need to get this done." And I'm like, "Well, I'll just do it." But uh, but also, what I'm—it's interesting to hear this because, like, based on your dream, it does sound like it's like he's not doing it to uh, you know be wrong or anything. He is just stressed out because he doesn't want to say the wrong thing because he wants it to be good. Just I think both of you want it to be the good. So that's like the shared. Shared goal it, It's why alley.
1: ultimately we get along yeah. so well. It's yeah. not, I don't think you're trying to not be like, you know what I mean? Like, you <laughs> no, don't no, look no, at no, me. I don't think you're trying to suck no, on I'm stage, right, Ryan. No, no, no. You just I, do it. And and you don't think it, that I'm trying to put you in a spot <laughs> in a bad You know what I mean? Like, neither one of us is looking at the other like, oh, he's trying to fuck me over. We both have the same goal. We're just like, oh, he took a left when I thought he was going to go right. Okay, here we go. How do we get back to the directions? He's well, doing an impression a, it now. seems like
0: both of you obviously want to be good, and neither of you are trying to mess each other up, but it does seem like it's like um, it, it, you're both just approaching it differently mm-hmm. like you have a very plan, planned out thing in your head and as a stand up you say like you know you think it's like if I do this it's this but he's coming at it from a improv like I'm gonna go off of the vibe and the energy of what's happening now and so okay cool you gave okay so maybe I'll do this and so th- already mm-hmm. like the approach is different and so yeah, when, it's, when it doesn't click it feels like oh you didn't do it this way or why didn't you give it to me this way yeah. but really it's just like it's the map is different.
1: So, as a stand up, this is something I don't know if you've ever felt this way. I don't know mm-hmm. if this is a common stand up thing, but what I've always felt is that my punchlines are in my like, my punchlines are what give me the I, I know I have a punchline no matter what. Uh-huh. So, no matter what happens, I'm going to end with this thing that will work no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so, by having these punchlines, these little bits or moments in my hip pocket. Mm-hmm. I'm always sure of things. So as long as I get to that place, right? The punchline is my secret. Yeah. I have this secret that I'm waiting to give. And if we get there, no matter what else happened, we're fine. As a, as an improv, there is no. We're not waiting for that one moment. So I'm like, no, we have to get to the the, the punchline, which is, and that's why so and so did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So as I'm, an, as I'm an imp- keeping that thing here, where I'm like, that's uh, that's all we have. Like, don't but worry, have we a, have a hip- I have
0: a third um, third weapon for you guys, which I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've thought about this, but I think when watching two people on stage, like duos, like you guys on stage, the audience isn't like the punchlines are great. They're fun. And jokes are always obviously great because I liked writing jokes. So I'm like, if there's a joke, that's good. But I think what the audience enjoys about watching you guys is you guys interacting with each other. So yeah. it actually doesn't really matter. Like, yes, it does. in that, like, if you write a joke, it's fun to land it and it's fun to get a laugh. That's a great feeling. But no, it, it really is. But like, it's different because watching two people, what I enjoy most like, I think about, like, watching the Putterbog Sister. Like, they obviously do jokes. But what I love more is the way they interact with each other. Mm. And I think most people enjoy watching that more than the jokes. And the jokes fill it in, and it's like you walk away being like, that was funny. But really what they like is probably watching you guys get mad or interact yeah. and be like, why do you do this? Why don't you do this? We've started, That's more fun.
2: We've started doing something for uh, these roasts where – because we kind of have been doing it, but less structured. Now yeah. we're kind of structuring it more where we roast each other <laughs> on stage. And the back and forth, it really, the audience really gets into it. And it starts the spirit of the show yeah. off with the host.
0: Well, because guys, you guys have this chemistry and this history that you can't fake. Like you have all this... Like you dream about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like So that's really fun to watch on stage. And I think that's a great thing you guys have going that like, I don't think you have to not worry so much about the punchlines or worry about messing it up because really Look, at the I, end of the day, it's so I fun com- to watch this I exchange. completely
1: agree with I the idea. There has been, <laughs> in, especially in the first two years of the show, we talked extensively about the fact that us just being us on stage yeah. is what was working. However, we're nearly 70 live shows <laughs> into it. And I can tell you from experience, yeah, that can't. It doesn't always carry you through. Like sure. I, that's why, as a comedian, I like to have a punchline ready because when simple chemistry and talking isn't working, I need something to get there. And he and I, we've been in enough situations where we've been standing on stage, knowing we are killing the vibe uh-huh. of the show we just put together like uh-huh. we are draining the energy from a room and we're drowning we're trying to find a way out right as a comedian you know right. everyone off stage is like just end it and get out of there and we'll be fine but as a comedian we're like but i have to finish with like, something. Yeah. something like i gotta i gotta dismount somehow so we're right. reaching and we're pulling and it's, when those moments come they are some of the most <laughs> difficult as performers because you know you're the only ones sucking at well that it's hard
0: moment. to bomb in by yourself, but probably harder with another person. Cause then there's like that you're, you're failing
1: each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. you're both struggling for air. You can't help the other one out. Cause you're both in the the bucket of milk with the, <laughs> as the mouse. Well, <laughs> I don't know why I went to that analogy. <laughs> <Don't>, <laughs> you're both wait. drowning in milk. So catch me if you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean,
0: that. don't get me wrong. I don't think you should change. Mouse. <laughs> I don't think you should change what you're both doing. Obviously, I think that energy of you being neurotic and caring and being controlling is what like you should be that because that's you. You can just and call me fun. a Jew. You can just no, say no, no, you're no. a Jew. I mean, I'm only saying that out of love because I'm like that. Like for example, this short I'm working on with my uh, with Christina Madrano, very funny comedian who's mm. been on a been on this podcast before. But we like when we were doing the post schedule. Because, you know, very indie project. So I ended up kind of like producing the post part of it. I wrote a schedule out with very specific dates. And I had like asked every department head along the way to be like, is this enough time if you get it this day to get me a, you know, drop by this day and then we'll do notes in the next 24 hours. And you can get me a second, you know, version. So all of that I had checked with everyone and then checked with the producers to be like, if, uh, you know, if the color cut comes in this day, can you give notes within 24 hours? So then I created the schedule, sent it out to everyone. And then everyone was kind of just like, was just a guideline. Mm. And then so like dates will get missed. And I'm like, well, now we're going to be late on this. And I was freaking out. But then when I talked to people later, it's like, it made me realize for me, when I set dates out, I think of it as like a set in stone. For some people, dates are just like, this is roughly what I want, which to me sounds crazy. Cause I'm like, why would we do that? But then I had to understand, well, if you've spent your entire life working this way uh, of keeping things as like, oh, let's have it by this day. And that's more of the day that they're like, okay. Now I will work on it. You know what I mean? Like, so everyone just yeah. works differently. It sound it still sounds crazy to me to be like, why would you, if there's a date, why would you not have it that day? <laughs> but I still do understand that some people just don't work like that. And so that's, that was an interesting learning experience for me. Cause then I was like, okay, now I know that if we were ever to do that again, maybe I'll set it earlier or we'll just have a talk to be like, or maybe have to remind them two days before, you know, yeah. like it's just about figuring out um what things mean to each other. Like if, if a map isn't set in stone. Like if someone thinks, Oh, I, I want this in two weeks. And that just means around two weeks is the time when we should check in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then now I know that. Yeah. So, but is, is it very interesting? Cause it's, I, so you I'm don't have to do that by but yourself, but I, um, you do have to learn to work with someone uh, and their vibe. Cause it's also worked for them. Like, that's the other yeah. thing I have to remember. Like when you're working with a partner, if that's worked for them their whole life, they're not going to change it. Cause they're like, yeah, I'm here. I'm doing standup. And this version of like working has worked for me. So you have to both be like, okay, both of what we've done has worked for both of us individually in our lives. So it's, n- you can't just be like, you're wrong. Oh God, we
2: just not. had
1: a breakthrough, didn't we? Yeah.
2: Wow. Hold my hand again. <laughs> I think that's what the whole show is too. It's a combine. It's a history and roast combination. And with that, you have <laughs> two hosts that have also combined two different methods yeah. and made this show what it is. You know, there's, there's a little bit of everything. You'll see it with the Netflix show too. There's a little bit of everything in the roast. It's not just a Dean Martin roast. It's you oh, know, there's, there's comedy. There's sketches. There's, there's music. It's characters there's Characters right off the there, bat. Oh, got, character yeah,
1: work. You got yeah. You got musicals and bits and I can't all wait sorts to see. And this show, on. this show has a thousand. This is a thousand percent changed me and helped me grow mm-hmm. as a person. And in that, a lot of it is. I am disciplined because I wouldn't naturally be disciplined. Yeah. I have to set discipline into my life or I would do nothing. Right. So I set dates. I set meetings. I like times. I like due dates. I like projecting forward. But the show has taught me, especially because it's a creative endeavor, which is we're not building tables. Yeah. We're not building tables that can be measured and and quantified and easily fixed with mathematics that... There's that element of this ethereal element, this magical bit that's going to come together. And sometimes it's somebody cancels and you get a new person the day Mm -hmm. of the show who then – my favorite example is we first roasted Harry Potter here at Nerd Melt. We had Darian Sills Evans scheduled to play – Um, Dumbledore Dumbledore I almost Mm. called him Gandalf We had him set to play Dumbledore He had to cancel last minute We filled Uh him in with Julian M. Stern last minute Uh Matthew Broussard was playing Draco Malfoy And was on He was scheduled to go number one Yeah Uh, On The show he came late Mm. and so he had to get pushed back and we had to bump Julian M. Stern as Dumbledore to open the show. Wow. And so a plan that we had in our head for about two weeks (sighs) completely changed. But Julian was amazing as Dumbledore mm-hmm. and was the only opening act that could have worked for that watch, show. You like, can watch it on YouTube it right now. It needed to be him going first as Dumbledore for the rest of the show to work, which mm-hmm. was completely out of our hands. Like those were – we didn't plan for him. We didn't plan for Matt to be late. We didn't plan yeah. for any of the other things, and it happened to be that way. And you, ha- I've learned so much more that this is a living, breathing, growing thing, that creativity pops in. I, I, now I take the stance that the due date – is ten minutes after the show starts. <laughs> everything just yeah. needs to be done ten minutes after we start. Sure, everything else is the co- as long as the costumes and the people are there. But people can show up late. But ten minutes after the show starts is the final moment to hand in your papers. Yeah, you know what I mean. But before that, like I want them handed in a week before. I want everything to be set because again, I wouldn't do anything otherwise. Yeah,
0: you should still express what you want. I think that's important to know because yeah, that's how what's helped you. work. It's helped you work up until now. So you should still do that, but just knowing that like, okay, everyone is different. Um, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I, I want to keep going, even though this is so interesting, just so we can get to your confession. Uh, um, so I'm going to turn the tables around now. Eddie, is there anything you would like to tell Ryan?
1: We've, we've, we've talked about this in some form or fashion, but I've never gotten as, as specific as, as I will. And it's sort of a, a, a three or three and a half pronged confession. It, it's it's kind of encapsulates itself you were supposed to be Matt Leiterstein, growing up, I met one of my best friends in the fourth grade. He was the vice president of the Boys Club. His name's Matt Leiterstein, and that was my best friend in the world. He was the first person who ever he wanted to be a filmmaker, and before that we, like, we, would, we watched movies constantly. For his birthday that year, we went to two movies in a day. His dad brought us to Planet Hollywood. Like, he mm-hmm. was obsessed with films and movies. And that's all we would do is just sit in his playroom and watch movies. For his birthday, we went there. And then he had a stack of videos that he rented from Blockbuster. And we just started at the top and watched them all. Like, all we did was watch movies together. And he went to a movie-making camp. And he came back. He's like, we can make movies. And I was like, wait, wait We can make them? What do you mean? I didn't uh-huh. know it was a job until Matt Leiterstein told me. And he was, he was, I, I was so close to him. And then we wound up going to different middle schools. And when he went to a new middle school, Matt, Matt fell in with a crowd who did a lot of drugs and, and, and faced a lot of issues. And Matt actually never went to high school in Connecticut. Like he went to an alternate high school for a year and then had to go out and go into programs and, mm-hmm. and into recovery. And now he's, he's recovered. Uh, we talk occasionally, but we're not. That was my best friend in the world. And in every version of that story, Matt and I were supposed to go to Hollywood and Matt and I were supposed to make movies and make TV shows and do something together. And when it wasn't Matt, it was my, my older brother, Michael. You know Mike very well. Mike, my mm-hmm. brother has done almost every single one of our historical roast posters. Mm-hmm. He lives in New York City. He's lived there since he went to uh, SVA in Manhattan and mike and i tried to make a movie at one point before i moved out here we actually filmed it we were featured in the local paper we had 10 minutes of the feature done that we were going to sell it was the first time this is crazy first time i ever produced something i just called up at the library and was like oh we're making a movie we want to rent the library out and they let us rent the fucking public library for <laughs> it was two the voice yeah. it was the voice that got him that's great steph garcia was in it that's how oh really steph garcia was yeah um and after my brother, it was Kevin Thompson. You you were supposed to be Kevin Thompson. Kevin Thompson <laughs> was my best friend, in probably like from from eighteen to twenty five. Like, but he went to college at that time, and he's he's back in Connecticut. He does a lot of community theater there and runs uh, is, is is instrumental in as a teacher in a school out there. He's an amazing human being. He's one of my closest friends. But in, at every step in my life, there was this person who was my absolute soulmate of a best friend that i was like that's who i want to be my partner Mm -hmm. and you were supposed to have been matt leiterstein or my brother or kevin thompson it i have always wanted from the two of us to be connected at the hip and undeniably always together The idea that when you see one of us, the other, it must be somewhere in the room. And the ultimate part of this confession is the idea that it blows my mind and at times breaks my heart that four and a half years later, we have not spent an entire day together. Ryan and I have never. Are you started. counting the dreams
0: though? Because he's dreaming about. <laughs> yeah, we've spent
1: more. We spent the that. night together. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But like Ryan and I have never spent a full day together. I work a lot on the weekends when he's off. He works during the week when I'm off. If we have shows, we're separate, and then we come together when we get. We meet up later in the day, but we have never started and finished a day together. Hmm. Which, with all of my closest of friends and people like anyone, I'm going to be honest about that. I've been this linked with. I've spent weeks on end with them. I've you know what I mean? Like, like I've been so close to them for so long. It's, and that, that part of it is a weird thing to me of like, Oh, I've always just wanted to be with you all the time.
2: What was the last, uh, Time you had someone like that was it, it here in L.A. or was it
1: before? It was right before I moved here. There was a, a friend of mine in New York that I got super close with, uh, Dan Hutchins, who I actually tried to start a web series with in New York. But he was—he's a personal trainer. He didn't hmm. understand what a web series would have been at the time. And then when I moved to L.A., I mean, he's told me he was going to consider moving out here a couple times and almost did once or twice. But that was like like we were trainers at a gym together. And like we'd wake up and at 6 a.m., Dan and I were at the gym. We'd hang out when we were done with clients. We'd work out. Then we'd go get lunch. Then we'd come back. We'd do more clients. We'd tra- we train again, grab dinner. And then I'd go back to Queens and he'd go back uptown and like we'd leave. Like, But you and I have never had that because we've never had the structure. The closest was probably a day where there was a long event here at Nerd Melt that we were working. Uh, Was it? One of those things where somebody yeah, rented it out the yeah. theater. Have or you ever a taken a trip fest. together? Nope, not really. Festivals, yeah, unless you count Ventura. <laughs> but we left at four o'clock. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's, yeah. We haven't had to go out of town together. One of the toughest days we've talked about this. I there's only there's only one show that we didn't do together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We got booked to do fictional roast and roast Harry Potter at UCB in the East Village. Okay. Um and Ryan couldn't make the trip. He was he was booked that weekend and couldn't come out with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's a weird alternate reality for me that was – it was the greatest and worst show of my entire life. I didn't have any idea what it was like. I've been on stage a thousand times on my own. Mm-hmm. I've never been on stage roasting – doing a, a themed roast without Ryan. Mm. And so f- – for the first time in my life, and when we started the show, we talked. There was discussion. Like I pitched myself as the host, and Ryan mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, if you're hosting, I'll host too." And that was literally the conversation. Uh-huh. It was it was a short one, but we were both. It was long. I remember because you were
2: like, "You're you're like I think I'd be comfortable as the host." I'm like, "Okay, great." And then I looked at your stuff on you know YouTube and made sure you were funny and stuff. <laughs> and then I like thought about it for a while. I'm like, I've been hosting my whole life on stuff because that, that's yeah. True. What,
0: what, so what, what was in your mind, your role in it? Were you just going to produce? I
2: think I was just going to produce and uh, maybe write, you know, sketches and maybe even be a character sometimes like in the mm-hmm. audience, like pop ups and stuff. And then I was like, you know, what? I've been hosting. I've been hosting things, you know, ever since, you know, college, high school, before high school, like just all sorts of different events and charities and stuff. I'd be on stage hosting. And I was like, you know, I kind of have a knack for that. It's just be- I did worry about being on stage yeah. with another person, as did he, I think. So when we first started, we were definitely nervous about that.
0: Well, but. that also goes back to the disappointing thing because maybe there's a feeling of like you guys are both pretty new in comedy and just being like, if I'm starting this thing, I want to be good. I want to book all these people and maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't be in it. Yeah. But it's so good that you are because think about what that would be now if you're like just we behind the scenes. I, <laughs> we would
1: not be here if yeah. I had been the sole host. <laughs> if, <laughs> if we had started this show and it was just me, if you had taken, if you and Sammy had been the producers and you were writing stuff or doing auxiliary things and I was up there alone, we wouldn't get this far there's no it's not the same I've thought about I've thought about this one a lot really because of my approach to things and all the other stuff we've gone through and that weird moment in life where I stepped outside and like I believe in like a multiverse right these multiple yeah. I literally stepped into the other universe (laughs) for a night and I'm gonna tell you there was a part of that show that was one of the one of the best and one of my favorites being able to go up there with material that we both know we've used like the The who said it Trump Trump or Voldemort yeah Or what house am I in? Mm Because we do – for Harry Potter, we have some very great standard opening bits that really hit with the crowd. Like what house do you guys think I'm in? Sure. When I got to do it just by myself as a stand-up with – but the other side of that is recognizing we were two and a half years or so into the show, three years into the show at that point. We're three years into me being good at that thing already. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't the first time out. I know what works with a themed roast because we've done it. So then I step into this alternate universe, this other reality where what if I were the only host? And I absolutely hated part of it. That being said, <laughs> Kevin Thompson was there, which was another phenomenal. Oh, one. nice. <laughs> oh, nice. But yeah. So like my my, my, my whole big. family's out on the East Coast. Okay. East Coast. So they all got to come in and see the show that night.
0: I have a question. How long had you been doing stand-up when you guys first started doing the show?
1: I moved to L.A. I think three years into doing stand-up. I, yeah. like I'm, uh, my eight-year my eight anniversary or my nine-year anniversary is coming up this June. Oh, nice. I yeah. moved to LA five years ago, which is when I think I really – I was an actor in New yeah. York and got into stand-up. And when I got out here is when I think I really identified as more of a stand-up uh-huh. and got super into the scene and really pushed. I was not as involved in New York. I do a couple open mics a week, but here's where it yeah. really –
0: what about: pushed. you, Ryan, um, you've been doing improv uh, for how long?
1: Uh, I've been doing improv, but when technically you guys, since when I was, you guys
0: met,: oh, so, and- Or when you started doing it?
1: I started yeah, where doing... were you in your career when no, we no, started no. The, the show? No, no, no. The reason
0: I'm asking is only because, like, the feeling of like not wanting to maybe letting him host. I, I, I wonder if, like, if you were kind of wanting to be like, oh, maybe I'm not as experienced because he has this experience in stand up. Well, with stand
2: up, I definitely was not experienced. I think I'd done, like, the open mic at the Liquid Zoo, which uh-huh. we all love. Oh, God. I <laughs> Van <Nuys>. No, jeez <laughs> I met a lot of great <laughs> stand ups there, but I definitely was like, I went up there and I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know if stand ups for me, but I was working at or interning at Nerd Melt, so yeah. I was around stand up a lot. But improv, I was very experienced in. Sketch, you know, acting in general, I was very experienced in. So that's why I was like, maybe I can do the characters. Yeah. Uh And then, yeah, and then we tried out the hosts and we eventually got comfortable. But yeah, at first I was real nervous. But, mm-hmm. you know, seeing Eddie's confidence up there kind of helped me like a lot.
0: It's so good that you ended up doing it the way you did. Because I think you feel more invested when you're both at the, you know, face of the show. That mm-hmm. literally happened with my short is w- when we wrote it. We both were like, we're so excited about the script. Maybe we should cast like actors, big actors that we like a lot. And then we were like, no, if we're going to put all this time and money into it, we want to act too. We should just do it. And then it'll be like, it's like, when else am I going to be able to did like do such a long you know like a chunk of a uh, mm-hmm. script as a lead and then at one point Christine was even like maybe I'll direct it and then I'll hi- hire an actress but then we both ended up playing the leads and it was like the best version of it i think but uh we both had that moment where like maybe we should cast some actress that like doesn't need to do this but will be good you know yeah. <laughs> and eventually i think i think it comes from a place of like could this be something else like i I'll, if i don't touch it as much but you get more invested if you are at the front of it. Uh,
1: the Part of – one of the things that I have learned and grown with uh, as a performer in the show is the idea of collaborations mm-hmm. and giving up ownership yeah. of something. Because the more – I mean, if we took this relationship as an example – Y- by giving you that that partial ownership of hosting, for instance, versus just having produced because this was a joint idea that we both owned. Mm-hmm. But by giving you more ownership, you're more invested in it and give more. Mm-hmm. And the most recent example is working on a television show where the two of us went from literally a three-person team. Sammy, yeah. Ryan, and Eddie were the only people who ever talked about historical roast other than the acts that we booked. Yeah. Right? But even there, there are people who we – there are performers that we have handed like – Partial ownership too Where we let them know Like this is just as much Your show There's three people Whose names I can say right now That we all feel comfortable Like Matt McCarthy Mm -hmm. Jeremiah Watkins And Scout Durwood Mm -hmm. Have a have a part stake in the show. They are some of our most frequent guests. They have done some of the most incredible work. Mm-hmm. There's other names I don't want to leave anyone out. There are people like that, though, that they've done the show so many times that I let, like, I'll ask them for their opinion on what they're about to do because they know it so well. Mm-hmm. And the more. The more emotionally invested they are in anything they're doing, the the better they're they're going to give for. Yeah,
0: hundred percent.
1: And then we went from a three person team to a near hundred person team. <laughs> yeah. And one of the biggest challenges is like, oh yeah. We're, we have to give up some ownership. Like that, this has to be their show too for for them them to really care. care. Yeah. And Jeff Ross is the most obvious and easy one. Of course, it was his, but then you walked in and there's a 13-person writing room (laughs) and you're like, oh, that's right. This has to be their show. And then you meet your producers and you're like, oh, that's right. It has to be their show also. And then you bring in, you know, costume design and and you're like, you're right. This is their show. It's for them, it's theirs. And if I'm going to work with them, the idea of collaborating is actually... Giving them part of it and yeah. saying, I'm taking my hands off this part. And that was a huge challenge for me. It you was a face lot of it just on a monthly basis. <laughs> like on that scale was. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was a lot of déjà. Deja- it was a lot of déjà vu too, because they would talk about like setting rules and breaking rules and like certain things we need to abide by. And We're like, we talked about this back <laughs> yeah. in 2014. Amateur, sure where have you been? We already know this. Come <laughs> <Right>. on.
0: <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to trust a little bit, but that I think that's why having a great team that you um, putting that team together—that's the most important part because. If you know you guys share the same vision, the same values, then you can kind of let them run and have ideas, and that's when you do your best work. Is when someone you admire is adding something that you couldn't have thought of before.
1: Yeah, and and and, and on that note, huge credit is due, huge thanks are due to Jeff Ross, mm-hmm. who is an incredible human being, one of the sweetest, kindest, most giving people I've ever mm-hmm. met, comedically. And producerially knows what he's doing, is a workaholic, had mm-hmm. his hand on every part of the production that he did. Uh, thank you to Frank Sebastiano, our head writer, and the entire writing team who put in countless hours uh, to, to to make the show what it was. Thank you to Michael Ratner and OBB Pictures. <laughs> it was, <laughs> our <Yeah>. now. <laughs> <laughs> we're starting no, the song Just, uh, to play them off. No, that, no yeah. Yeah. Ma- he's Michael right. Ratner They're... and OBB put in yeah. uh, an insane... Like, they... They did something so far beyond the scope of what we even started doing. Yeah, uh, the the things that they were able to pull together. I don't because this is this is collaboration. But, this is bringing people in. This is absolutely part of the family. Jeff, Frank, Michael Ratner, and everybody at OBB. There's a huge list there. Everyone who worked on every bit of the crew from the the makeup and costumes, which clearly make a show like mm-hmm. historical roast to the the. Uh, performers who came in, and there's we had some, everybody from right. classic stand up comedians to straight actors, people who've been in Oscar winning movies, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know like we had every range of performer, and every single one of them had to make it their own and come and give it that life and 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 bring them in
2: and something they all had in common is they really cared about because this isn't like there's a lot of different shows, but this one was about people who actually existed yeah. so that's kind of that kind yeah. of put a different level of urgency and devotion sure. to the show is anywhere from the writer's team to the actors to the you know production crew making everything look good, they all knew there had to be an element of reality and history mm-hmm. and these are real people right. like me. These are real people that actually existed that we're doing a show about and we're making fun of them, sure, but we're also making <laughs>
1: them, these characters come to life. Yeah. In that so, vein, I've always thanked everyone who's been on the show because at whatever level we've done this at, what we've essentially asked from these from these friends, people, and performers, is can you go do a book report on somebody <laughs> yeah. and by the way, make it funny and then present to the class when you're done? I remember and they have to laugh. You wrote,
0: uh, or you guys gave me a thank you card, which I thought was really sweet when I did the show. It's,
2: it, Eddie's great it, it with put, that. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie gives everyone thank you cards and because he's just, it's, it's a great element. It's really to nice. I remember that. This I, world.
0: I love homework shows, by the way, but a lot of people don't like because the stand ups you're used to, like you do, like yeah. sometimes multiple spots a night and it's just like to, to have to sit down and write homework, it can be, I can understand why that could be frustrating, but yeah. I like it cause I like writing. And so for me, getting an assignment like that is like, Oh, a structure for new jokes. That's really fun. Um, cause I, have done like a Shakespeare show. Like I do shows like that. are yeah. so fun for me. Cause then I write this whole thing in this whole structure and I'm like, this is so fun. But so I actually really enjoy doing some people like
1: that. love the writing assignment. Some look, yeah. Matt McCarthy, Jeremiah Watkins and scout Durwood. uh, Julian Stern, Brad Gage, Willie Hunter. I don't want to miss anybody on the list. Love the writing assignment. They love being able to sit down and get a set of rules and then play within it. Mm -hmm. There are some people who have chosen not to do the show because they don't want to write original material, have Mm -hmm. this writing assignment, use it only once. Everything from I don't want to have to. And I respect all of it. Like the idea of not wanting to. I'm like, of course. Why would you? Why would you put in three weeks' work into material you're never going to get to use again? when there's a, so that's much effort. That's a
0: fallacy. You can use it again. And well, yeah. I. I mean, not the entire set straight through that way. But I've. Oh yeah. D- most of I've found some fun bits from um, doing homework shows because I'll be like, I did like an apology yeah. show once years ago, actually, like loosely sort of inspired this podcast too just the idea of like apologies or getting stuff off your chest but like an earlier version of this pod in my mind was all apologies but then i was like people don't really want to air their shit out uh, uh, i like it but um i did an apology show where i was supposed to apologize to someone and i wrote out this whole thing and then uh, took a bunch of bits from that and worked in my set for a while
1: it, it, yeah. it can really it really can work I, there's certain jokes that i've written that. I can use in an act anytime yeah. I want because they're basic setup punchlines. Yeah. If it's a Helen Keller joke, it does, she doesn't need to be there to tell the joke. Sure. Yeah. But I do, I get when it's, when somebody's like, I don't, I'm not interested in having to flex that muscle that mm-hmm. way or are nervous to try. There have been people who put it off for two years and then eventually came <laughs> on and then loved it because they yeah. loved the, the assignment later and they realized the freedom and the wackiness of both the character and the history. But again, at the end of the day, it's like, hey, uh, yeah, study this, write a book <laughs> report, make sure they're a punchline. We're tricking you pu- into yeah. learning, basically. Yeah. But no, it's great because also you learn something from the show and you have more
2: material that maybe you can do. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And the format doesn't always have to be like Dean Martin Rose. People come on. Like right. Maggie May's amazing. She came on the civil war roast as harriet tubman she <laughs> sang a couple uh different parts of her roast it was so good the audience uh-huh. loves it when people mix up formats they love yeah. the normal format as well that yeah you can do whatever you want with what you do yeah. on our show and that's what makes our show
1: so we, great we've too. had several rapping acts oh fine. william <laughs> shakespeare rapped obviously alexander hamilton rapped uh-huh. julius caesar rapped at one point um you know matt mccarthy and jeremiah watkins play with the idea of being the character first and foremost, mm-hmm. McCarthy loves to play with those comedic bits. Like when he was Andre the Giant, he would deliver <laughs> jokes that nobody could understand because the uh-huh. joke was you couldn't understand Andre. Yeah, he uh, was kindergarten
2: cop for Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> rose, and he went to every audience member and was like, "Who's your daddy, and what does he do?"
1: Oh
0: my god, that's so funny. He's so funny. Yeah. Um. Uh. Your well, sorry. Your the name of your childhood friend. Mike, was it Mike? Matt. Matt. Matt, 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 Matt Leiterstein. Has he ever been to any of the shows? No. Would you invite him?
1: I mean he yeah. lives he lives oh, in he Connecticut. Lives- he's he's uh I think I invited him to the New York show but I don't remember. I've invited, I've done some stand up shows out there where I've reached out to him. I, look I I almost am hesitant in case he hears this but I I'm not
0: You not, it's as not close something as you
1: once were. Well, no, it's not even that. It's that there is a very difficult part of mm. that relationship. I've I've spoken with him and his family several times and seen them throughout the years. There that's a real that's a real wound of mine of Mm. like that that's my childhood I don't similar to the what we started talking about how how we look at serial killers because they're made of us and we don't understand what the difference between that part Uh of it I don't understand the difference between Matt Leiterstein and I we grew up next to each other as best friends with two loving families who did every like they were both involved in our lives like I knew his parents great he knew my parents great so then what let Matt go off in that direction Mm -hmm. and I didn't so the wound is is tough to face. It is it is t- at times hard for me to be in a room or see him or talk with him as he still is coping with those issues and mm-hmm. coming out of it. And, and like I, I want to resurrect that and be with him and be around him and, and involve him. But it's also – it's tender. It's, it's yeah. not easy. It's not easy to face. That's, it's not easy to talk about. It's not easy to think about.
0: That is hard. I mean, is it possible he didn't have the same expectations of your future as you? Like, It sounded like you had um, these expectations of uh, people in your life that maybe they didn't necessarily share, not in a negative way, but just like the letdown would feel greater because if they didn't know you had the expectation, to you it feels like maybe a letdown. To them, they were on their path going a different direction.
1: I think that. I think that, the amount of people in this world, that, I'll put it. This is how I usually do it. the uh, the The amount of people in the world who have an actual dream. Mm-hmm maybe what, 70% of the population, maybe. I know a lot of people like my sister will tell you she doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. Mm-hmm. My whole life, I've always had like a, a, a dream job. Some people don't have a dream or a goal or a vision of what they, they'll be. So you already whittle it down. So from, yeah. from the total amount of people, some people don't even have a dream. Out of the people who do have a dream, there are some who don't even have a clear vision of what it is. Then you have the people who are who do have a clear vision. Then you have a like you keep whittling down to the place where the the, the people who are actually actively involved and engaged in pursuing the dream that they have mm-hmm. is much smaller than we than we than we would think at first glance. But
0: not everyone. Wants that. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. So is that, want that not every, to just feel
1: happy? There are a lot of people who. Well, the other side of it is there's a lot of people who say that they want to come to Hollywood and make a movie. Yeah. Who have no intention of coming to Hollywood and sure. making a movie
0: because some people just want to. Like the idea of a dream as a faraway thing to get them through the day, but they don't actually want to pursue it because that would imply caring about it enough where if you fail, you have to deal
1: with that feeling. And as with anything, we've compared this show to starting a small business, being Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. Like, you know, making a film is the same thing. You're starting a small business. That's your product. Mm -hmm. It It is incredibly difficult. And that process isn't for everyone. So even the people who get all the way up to the doorstep of saying, now's the time to To, for instance, go to LA and pursue the thing, the amount of people who actually cross that threshold Mm -hmm. is even lower up to the point where we're all in Los Angeles surrounded by people doing it. We could even look around the circle of people we know and be like – I don't think you're actually pursuing it the way you say you are. Sure. You know I mean? And not as a judgment, but recognizing that not everybody is putting in the same effort with the same vision, with the same dream. When I look at Matt or my brother or Kevin, I certainly don't look at them as failures or you didn't do this. Or It just is that the idea that when you come up to that last step of, as Jay Moore talks about it, the difference between a comedian and not a comedian is the last, you walk the last 10 feet to the microphone. Sure. The last 10 feet in the process isn't for everyone. And I don't always think that the sacrifices I've made to get here are worthy of what we're getting back. Like mm-hmm. we're living a dream. Mm-hmm. The amount of things we've given up to get to that place, it's questionable in retrospect, whether they're all actual things we should have been giving up.
0: Have right? you guys ever talked about what your early on or even now of what both of your goals are like in a tan? tangible way not just like hey it'd be cool to get famous but like specifically when you started the show did you ever say like I would like to make a TV show out of this like did you guys ever, ever get on the same page oh, of what your goals were
2: well when I first met because at first we just kind of were bullshitting the idea I thought like we were just uh-huh. like made something kind of funny and Eddie was like I don't know man this sounds like a good idea and then he like texted me or called me or something to meet and he had a long notebook of like all the things that we could do with this show uh-huh. just based off the idea we had spoken about for maybe 10-15 minutes and so, yeah, the the idea of this becoming a show always, you mean our goals though?
0: Yeah, specifically like, hey, I, like, you know, we want to do a live show and then make it bigger and take it to a bigger theater and then take it to a TV show. did you ever specifically talk about what a your thousand percent. goals were for the A thousand yeah. percent. Yeah. In
1: fact, because to me, we talked about it, it, it preyed on a few things that I was going through at that time that helped. One was I started this theory that if, it, if an idea was good, I couldn't forget it if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of like writing a joke down. You know how many times we don't write a joke down and we forget it? Yeah. In my head, you know what I tell myself? Then it wasn't, wasn't that good. Because <laughs> if, if it was that good, I wouldn't be able to forget it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The joke's that good. I wrote it. I don't need a piece of paper to tell me how good the joke was. Because when I'm on stage, I don't need to always look at a sheet of paper to tell my jokes. Yeah. I know what they are. I know how to – I can – that's also – I know how to tell the joke in order without writing it down. It's there. Yes. I, so, with this one, it went hand in hand. We talked about it stoned out of our minds one night for 15 Uh minutes. And at the end of the night, I came back to him and I was like, if we're still thinking about this idea in the morning, that means it's good and we have to pursue it. Yeah. It also went to, if you tried to explain it to anybody, especially at the first pass before anything was done, it's, oh, it's just like one of those hour-long roasts on Comedy Central, except instead of Bruce Willis or... um, Bieber. Bieber (laughs) or James Franco or David Hasselhoff. It's just a dead person. Yeah. And so in explaining what it is, it's already definable as it's a television show. So from the first day we sat down with it, I was like, if you make this right, this is a television show.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that's really good. And for anyone out there listening and wondering, like, how do you do that? I think that's a crucial part is actually saying your goal. Like everyone's thinking it like in the back of your head, like I want, you know, we all want to be rich and famous and successful, but to actually narrow it down and say like, I specifically want to make this live comedy show into a TV show. Sounds like a dumb thing to have to say, but the fact that you guys got together, you literally wrote it down and you looked at it, you said it, I think is instrumental in the fact that you actually realized it because you had a moment where you checked in and said, this is the goal.
1: We had plans. We literally wrote down that two years into the show is when we would start to look for somebody to help us pitch, the, pitch mm-hmm. it for yeah, television. Eddie had
2: his own timeline version of yeah. the show. Like, you know, two years, we do this. Three years, this, four years, the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: How did you feel about... Because it seemed like obviously you agreed and went along with it. But how did you feel when you were getting... The, was, was it like, I also wanted this? Or was it once you said it, you're like, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I'm down. Or,
2: it's one of those things where... It, I've, that's why I'm here, like yeah. to start a TV show and everything. In my mind, I was like, it can't be that easy. But it was one of those things where it's like, I have a ticket to the train. Am I going to get on the train, or am I going to be like, well, you, it's your idea <laughs> now. You, you just take my take the take our idea and do whatever you want. And I'll, you know, I got my own plans. And I was like, no, this is mm. something I want to be a part of. And let's see. I'll, let's try as hard as we can and see where it goes. And then four years later, (laughs) it actually happened. And that's kind of what's the most astounding thing is you hear all these stories about people doing stuff for 10 years and not getting anywhere. You know, the fact that this was a show that we really believed in, we really pushed for and so many people were supportive on that. Eventually, it grew into something that people we could all make with a bunch of people and turn into a Netflix show. That's that's beyond what I thought when we were met at Panera with that <laughs> notebook.
0: <laughs> Panera, I have, that's now, the Panera didn't even make it that
2: long. The Panera the shut notebook. down now. <laughs> I have the
1: notebook at home.
0: That's so like really inspiring to hear. But just the idea that you. You said you both believed in it. Cause that's something people forget too. When, you know, comedy is full of disappointments and failures. And I'm sure you guys have had your share throughout the four years of like getting close and not getting it or whatever, or feeling like maybe this will lead somewhere and it didn't. Um, so many people have that with their shows. They're trying to get off the ground. And I think the missing element is like having that blind faith throughout and maybe having a partner helps. But, um, sometimes people just want to be like, Oh, well, maybe it's not for me and just give up. But I think the fact that you guys so strongly believed in it. And we're able to power through those moments Mm -hmm. is why it's successful. And it's probably going to continue to grow. And I'm excited to see where it goes.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Just truly believe in an idea. It goes so much farther than you think. It's
1: crazy. Dave Um, Dave Chappelle talked about it on Comedians and Cars. He'll say it much more eloquently than I can. But he talked about how when there's a good idea, it shows up in a car in the middle of the night, says, hop in, we're going somewhere. mm -hmm. And you just have to go. But when he gets into the car and tries to drive it himself, if there's no idea in the car, he doesn't go anywhere. And yeah. It's that it's that ego of I should make something versus here's something that I have to do. Yes. Ellen DeGeneres had to write that set about a phone call to God, which got her called to the couch on Johnny Carson. Uh-huh. And Larry David had to write Seinfeld. You know what I mean? Whatever the great idea was that these people have had, it's just it's the idea was leading the way you had to do it. And it was compelling believing in that idea was certainly paramount in, in getting where we've gotten. I want to I, I touch on what you had said. The support from the comedy community leading up to getting the show on television and after has meant more than the show itself or getting the show. The response from our friends, from people who helped us get to where we were. The fact that Mm -hmm. these people actually involved themselves with us to begin with. Mm -hmm. We came up with an idea. We've needed countless comedians and other people in front of and behind the scenes to make it happen. And the idea that they even did it to begin with. But then when we succeeded off of that. Came back to us and said how happy they were for us. The response we got from friends and comedians meant more than actually getting the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we had booked that show and nobody called and nobody cared and nobody was happy, it wouldn't have felt good. <laughs> yeah. And if we didn't get the show and they still poured out that love, then you could have told me that like, like if we failed in the last step and, and nobody picked up the option on the show. Mm hmm. I'd have been, and, and everyone was still supportive it like, doesn't matter like look at this we have all these friends We people care they really genuinely are interested we got the best of both worlds but that's what made it that's what made it matter to me was when everyone reached out it was so beautiful I like it touches me to this day to think of not just the messages and the calls but the genuine moments of, of interaction with people mm-hmm. who were happy for us yeah. and, and people who were involved the entire time
0: well, that's so nice. So, make sure you guys check out Historical Roast when it's on Netflix. Uh, coming soon. There's no specific date yet, but it is coming soon. So very, is there very post- soon. Can people follow you guys online?
2: Yeah, follow Historical Roast, Fictional roasts. It's mm-hmm. at, at
1: fictional at historical roast, you know. Our Instagram is more active than anything else, but find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. A lot of the roasts that we've done are posted on YouTube. Um we're coming to the Comedy Store Wednesday, March 27th at 10.30 p.m. That's when we're roasting Ted Bundy. We have a regular spot there. Uh, so we're usually there once a month doing different roasts. We have an incredible... We call it a season, but this year we have a lot of names, people that we have not roasted yet, like Steve Jobs and Johnny oh, Carson fun. and Frank Sinatra. I used to and get to treating at
0: his house. Steve Jobs. Steve oh, really? Jobs? Yeah, no yeah. way. He would give out a Adwalla bars.
1: He'd give out a- Oh really? Mm-hmm. I thought you were gonna be like he gave out yeah. Bentley's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. He just gave a Bentley. There's just to every a lot kid of like nerdy
0: dads up. just taking their kids there and being like, Go ring that bell.
1: And he's <laughs> be like for Here's an internship. A- Here's <laughs> a granola bar, get away.
0: <laughs> um uh, well thank you guys so much for coming on. Eddie Firth, Ryan Pig, follow them, follow Historical Roast and Fictional Roast. Uh you can follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod on Instagram or join our Patreon, patreon.com slash tell me anything pod. Thank you guys.
1: Thank you.
2: <laughs> Thank you.